Hi, I'm Minhajul Hawk. And I'm Cody Napier, and this is the Eternal Struggle Podcast. We are from Columbus, Ohio, and we're here to talk about mostly, you know, modern, legacy, vintage, uh, metagame calls, future strategy, as well as finance. And also what we've been up to in the past, like, two weeks, or leading up to each event and whatnot. The most recent event that we had was the uh, Team Series Legacy and Vintage Split event. Yeah, uh, the Team Series is a bunch of guys based out of the Midwest, mostly. Uh, Matt, Matt Mose is the one who ran the event here in Columbus, and he it was a, re- it was a blast. Like, the, the split format was really cool. We, we, we played in one before, too, and that one was a lot, was a lot of fun, too. And we have people from all over Ohio just, like, coming in and jamming vintage. Right, which actually was kind of an issue starting in the first place, because leading up to this tournament, we ran in the proxy gate. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had the whole situation with uh, Wizards backpedaling and whatnot to try to figure out what we did as far as uh, proxy play and actual tournament. Yeah, proxy play cards. Play play yeah, yeah. And Basically, the long and short of that was there was a store that blew up somewhere about turning off non-sanctioned events because they were using proxies that's considered Wizards International Property or et cetera. The, the resolution of that, like, passed, like, what, three days of people saying this, this, and this. Like, proxies are officially what someone is given in a sanctioned REL tournament if their card is damaged or torn up in some way. Whereas an unsanctioned playtesting event is just fine. So if we were to use those words, it's it's not the best way to do it, you know? So we we now use playtest cards. Right, so we can actually, like, have a competitive event, but it's not actually sanctioned. It gives you the same feeling as an actual sanctioned tournament, but it doesn't force you to pay 10 grand towards, like, 9 cards for your deck, which is fair. Yeah. And because of this reason, we got to play... The Team Serious Open was a complete playtesting event, and it was a hell of a lot of fun. We had a a lot of my friends up from Cleveland came down, battled. What did you actually play? I didn't actually play (laughs) what you were playing in the village. Okay, so in... Yeah, let's go over what we played. Uh, I played in the Legacy portion, obviously, as everyone here in Columbus who's probably listening to this knows... I played Miracles, and that was a very poor choice, which we'll get into later. But in the vintage portion, I decided to sleeve up Storm, the Dark Magician Storm. So, okay, yeah. Um, walking into the event, I wanted something that kind of went underneath of Miracles, because with a proxy event, usually sometimes you don't see a whole bunch of uh, what I want to call welfare decks, where people <laughs> come in and play the cheapest version of a legacy deck that they can possible. They're going to proxy up expensive cards, and they're going to play them. Miracles being a blue deck, I expected to see multiple people on this deck consider that it's, many people call Miracles right now the best deck in Legacy. Correct. So I was personally on Grix's Delver, mostly because of Stifle, Days, stuff to interact with their tops, counterbalances, all that other stuff. You just land a Delver and you just kill them dead. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Vintage portion, I played not what I was used to. I decided that I wanted to go the Grix's Thieves route. Yeah, and yeah. what... what Tell tell them what you're used to playing. I play Oath of Druids. I play Oath of Druids, nearly only Oath of Druids, and tons of different iterations of Oath of Druids. Mostly Bug, and now I'm a big fan of the new uh, Dragonlord Bomber Oath. Yes. Because you the have Brian Kelly Targets. special. Yeah. 
You can kill people in three different ways and putting Dragon Lord Dramoka into play and just doing everything on your turn and your opponent having nothing to deal with you is the best. You should also note that you can hard cast things and win the game that way in the deck, which is pretty difficult to do in other Oath variants. Besides Grizzlebrain. Grizzlebrain is pretty miserable to try to hard cast out of that deck. So, actually, going into the team series event, we actually had to play against these Grizzle round one. Yeah, it was... Let's back up back up a little bit. Um, just as, as far as, like, the decisions to play our decks were concerned, Cody made some good calls, and I did not. Uh, I didn't expect people to be gunning for miracles as hard as they did. So when we arrived at the event, there were a total of four 12-plus players and two mud players in the room. I didn't run into any of them, and I was the only Miracles player in the room. However, I was pretty much put on tilt really hard and got crushed anyway. So there's there's that. Right. I mean, I I played the Grixis list just for the hard counters, being able to get through. It has a whole bunch of hand disruption, um, mostly for the Miracles route. Walking into this room, I had no idea how in the world this meta like came together. Um, my, my good friend Will, actually, he, he's part of my Miracles testing group on Facebook, and he came in and played Bug Lands. Because I told him that a lot of people that come in Ohio don't really feel like playing good blue decks, usually. Fair. Which has been a tendency for people to kind of prefer the combo side of things over the past, like, six, seven years. And he decided that he would play Bug Lands instead of wanting to cut himself by playing Miracles, which is what I did. Okay. So how did your actual team series event go throughout the Legacy and the Vintage? Uh, really poor. Very, very poor. Um, you gave me my only loss in the Legacy portion. Okay. So that was a lot better than I... Or rather, a lot worse than I expected to do because Legacy was the only format that I was really confident in. Okay. It was still Fear of Vortex. So it was Fear of Vortex. Got Vortex, it. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Uh, game one, I think, between us was pretty close. Uh, I believe you conceded to the lock, though, when I was pretty low on life. In game, what was it, game one or game, game one. two? Game one. Game one, yeah. Yeah. And then game two, um, you, no, I'm sorry, that's that's not right. You beat me two games to zero. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because game one, you killed me just because I didn't draw any terminuses. Right. And then game two, you surgical away my brainstorms, I think it was. Uh, your uh, surgical, not your surgical, your uh, my top tops. tops. Yeah, my tops. And we were both kind of top decking for a little while, and then you top decked Vortex and killed me because I had, I just couldn't find my wear and tear in time. Okay. But that was that was round one. It was kind of I was already kind of on tilt from the fact that there were a bunch of people gunning for miracles in the room. Uh, but that, that that's all right. Uh, round two, I actually had a buy. Okay. So I, I, I won that round. You know, so it's a free win. We'll call it. We'll Tiebreakers are really good, yeah. I would say. And then in the third round, I played against Nat Mose. Actually, I did not go. You were not my only loss. Nat was also my other loss. Nat Mose is playing Belcher in Legacy, which I, which is what he usually does. And I'm pretty sure I misplayed horribly against him game one, but I don't remember too much of the details. I just know I got crushed. Okay. Um, then how did the Vintage portion go? Uh, vintage was slightly better, kind of. My round four of Vintage was, uh, I don't remember exactly the gentleman's name, Jeff Mose, I think it was. Uh, he's playing Steel City Vaults is the name of the deck. Oh, okay. Basically, the whole point of the deck is to get out a Notion Thief as fast as possible and then play a draw seven. Okay. I'm playing Storm. And he, two games in a row, goes turn one Notion Thief into Lotus Wheel. 
Oh, that's brutal. So I die very quickly in two very fast games. Okay. And, and I, I believe I won the, the last two rounds of Vintage, but I'm, at this point I'm out of time contention, so it didn't actually matter. Okay. Yeah. Um, my Legacy Fortune Team Series event, like you said, we played each other. Uh, Miracles match wasn't as bad as it had been before in testing. I think that was Sulfur and Vortex has made a big difference. Right. I was kind of caught off guard by it because, we, were, we like I said, we were both top decking in with, with no filtering involved. Right. And you just slammed the Vortex and I died three turns later. So. Yeah, plus little dudes attacking and, like, ahead of time, too, just put your life total below. Yeah, them, I so. think it was at, I was at 8 and you were at 12 when the Vortex landed. And we were both kind of just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, just draw, go, draw, go. No yeah. one really cares anymore. Yeah. Uh, round two, I had to play against 12 posts. Um... Surprisingly enough, I actually thought that was going to be a really good matchup for me. Um, it probably should have been. Game one, I didn't actually see any Wastelands. Mm. Um, it was a guy I'd known. I've played him a couple times at the Team Series event. Was it um, Kyle? Kyle Lance? I forget the name. Okay. Um, but he played 12 posts. He got out Titan before I could even do anything. Just kept getting life. I couldn't hit any lands. Couldn't stop any of the triggers from happening. It all just went downhill real quick. I think I had him to like two. Mm-hmm. Before he started gaining like four, five, and like Vesuvi and everything, I was like, "We're dead." Yeah, Glimmer Post is a hell of a card. Yeah, Ulamog yeah. came down. He's playing Ulamog in the main. He wasn't playing uh, the, new, the new Ulamog. Yeah, he was playing okay. the new Ulamog. Okay. Um, so that was pretty backbreaking when that thing came down. Game two, I actually kept a hand that I thought was pretty favored to win. It was like two Jataxian probes. Wasteland Surgical Extraction and Ponder oh, Brainstorm. I was like, we're okay. Yeah. So he goes, turn one, place the one that like taps for extra mana, whichever uh, Glimmer thing that is. Cloudpost. Yeah, Cloudpost. Play Cloudpost, Wasteland at Surgical at Pass. So we're both stuck playing Fair Magic for the rest of this game. Mm-hmm. We doubled the Taxing Probe. We end up drawing for turn because we were already in play. Mm-hmm. And then we double the attacking probe, draw for three more turns, never see another land or anything in order to brainstorm or ponder to find, like, actually start, like, the aggro route. So eventually he just hard casts and gets to uh, six mana. Oh, God. For a uh, prime time. We, we yeah. die. We die dead. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, but I think the matchup does favor you. Because they need to, like, get their moments pieces in order to, like, actually, like, fight back. I think it's just the land destruction. Plus I have the stifles for the... Uh, the expedition maps that find sure. their lands and everything like that. Yeah. And plus, uh, what is it? Cabal therapy makes a big difference as oh, far as being absolutely. able to just rip apart yeah. the hand. How often did you end up doing the whole young pyromancer cabal therapy and people? It happened once okay. in the entire tournament. Hmm. Other than that, it was extremely not relevant. Yeah. I didn't even bring in cabal therapies against Rug Delver, which is is fair because you're not really. It's not really a therapy kind of match. Right. My round three, he was actually, he's more of a vintage player. He said he usually played shops. Um, he was just playing rugged over just to try to get through the legacy portion. He was yep. like, okay, we might be able to win here. Was this Nam? Uh, I was an Asian fellow. Okay, yeah, Nam. Uh, it was more than likely Nam. I, I think I remember watching this match, actually. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so, game one, we just drop... Delver and the Grimmag Angler. I think we, like, fought over, like, Delver's for the first, like, three turns. Like, he bolted mine, I bolted his. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what is it? It ended up being, I ended up double-dazing, like, some sort of blowout that he was going for, and I just took over game one. Okay. And then game two, I ended up just wastelanding his uh, Volcanic Island, and then we surgical extraction this, so every single red card <laughs> was dead. So it was like... We, 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 as soon as we started sideboarding, it was like, okay, so this deck has four, has uh, two actual dual lands in it, 
if we just hit one of them, he can't cast half his deck. You, you're not wrong. It was like, we'll just go. We'll just try it with it. But the worst part was the fact that he played a Wasteland ahead of time. He had a he had one Volcanic Island in play, Volcanic Island in hand, no other cards. So he should So he instead of playing the Wasteland, he should have played a second Volcanic. To right. play around circles specifically. Yeah, but instead of <laughs> Wasteland in hand and then just ripped apart the whole uh, mana base. It was like, I don't know what you want from me. So, uh, people should, that are listening should probably know this. They might know this already, but you're a madman when it comes to Surgical Extraction. Okay, so Surgical Extraction is probably one of the best sideboard cards I've ever played with in my entire <laughs> life. So, almost any deck that revolves around four O's, the card is insane against. If you deal with one threat, usually you deal with the other three for the total count of two life. The black is not even relevant 99% of the time unless you're playing against Burn. Um... It's good with Wasteland. It's good with Force of Will. Your opponent plays Stone Forge. Doesn't matter. You rip them all out of the deck. Usually, doesn't matter. Multiple Stone Forge Mystics because they play two and they already have all their targets. But I mean, the Miracles match. It's usually really good because you can always get rid of uh, so all the past, all the terminuses, all that other stuff. That's actually kind of a point of contention with from the, because from the Miracle side of the thing side of things. Circle can be pretty narrow unless you're playing a pretty streamlined build of Miracles, which is what I normally like to do. I always play a lot of four ofs in my decks, and that's why I kind of despise playing other formats because the one of is more powerful there. And like we're we're playing predictable miracles for the, like the past three or so months, I would say. And I, for those that don't know, please tell them what predictable. <laughs> because apparently okay. your miracles crew is all on this card. Yes, uh, I have a couple friends from all over the country, really, and in Europe. My friend Marcus Ewald is the one who created the deck originally. Basically, it plays two Predicts. Uh, predict is a card is a one and a blue instant that says name a card. Target player puts the top card of the library into their graveyard. If it is a name card, you draw two cards. If it is not, you draw a card. And the reason... So this is a card that Reed Duke kind of popularized many years ago when he first started playing Miracles. And he liked it as a one of because it, it, it's card advantage that you can kind of rely on sometimes. What we did was try to kind of take that idea and put it into the extreme, and we cut down the curve of the Miracles deck, like, way further down. And we're not playing many win conditions in main deck. The list, is, the list is pretty much just, like, four Snapcaster Mages and two Jaces, and the countertop block. All four of us. And that's pretty much how you win. And you just got to draw your opponent. Snapcaster okay. Mage for Predict, and it's like, you win by card advantage. And your opponent doesn't know that they've lost the game, but they've lost the game. Because you have more uh, resources than them. The Correct. Counterbalance lock usually just lost them out anyways. Correct. That, that's what we're relying on. We have no threes in the deck at all. Uh, it's just Jason's in the top end with four, plus Terminus, of course. Uh, and then out of the sideboard, be- because it's harder for us to play from behind, if we get behind with this variant of the deck, we wanted to kind of make a pull as a sideboard. So we have two Blood Moons. That is one. Two. Okay. Uh, and instead of the mentor package, we're playing Snowford Mystic because it's a better defensive card. If you're playing from behind with Snowford Mystic, it's a lot better because you can actually gain life off of it or so on and so forth. And that was extremely relevant for me for the classic the following day, which we'll get into later. Uh, but th- that is kind of a point of contention with a lot of people in our testing group, whether we want the mentors or the uh, the Snowford Mystics, and that's still kind of up in the air. The original creator of the dark, like I said, Marcus, he's kind of been on the Snowford Mystic high since... God knows how long, and I haven't found enough data to like kind of say that he's wrong because he's not. 
And Silver Mystic costing two mana versus Mentor costing three, four, five has been extremely relevant. I think Mentor is more of like the reason why we see a lot more Mentor in like the top placing Miracles decks mm-hmm. is because it's it's kind of a late game finisher where Stoneforge is more of like an early game like incremental advantage. Right, exactly. And if you're going against an aggro deck with Miracles, I feel like Stoneforge Mystic is probably better. Right. Because it allows you to on turn three if you're tapping out just throw down a 4-4 lifelinker in the play. Mm-hmm. Like, it's probably better against, say... It's, it's better at catching up from behind, whereas Mentor will try to outright win the game on its own. Right. And in some cases, like, your opponent's not going to expect you to play, play Stoneboard Mystic, whereas Mentor is more common in Miracles, main deck than sideboards. Right. So they might bring in things like Sulphur Elemental, or, excuse me, Dread of Night, that kind of thing. Okay. And we, we're hoping to dodge all that. But again, like... This whole predictable miracles thing is, is a relatively new concept that hasn't really seen that many results outside of what Marcus has been doing on MTG Online and a couple of my other friends, Anurag Das, uh, myself, Alex, uh, just, just just a small group of people kind of testing this, uh, and it's it's been doing really well for us, and we will will more than likely be seeing more of it, I think, as as more legs events come, definitely. Okay. Um, I was also playing Servo Extractions in the Vintage, the 1-0 format. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did not perform in the Vintage, unfortunately. But we played a uh, deck we were not familiar with. We tried to play Grixis Thieves. We owned all the foil pieces for it, so why not? Um, <laughs> plus, like, everyone... The problem is when you go to Vintage events and you're known for one deck, people already know what hands they need to keep against you. Yeah. My turn one opponent didn't actually know what was going on because it was not a Forbidden Orchard on turn <laughs> one and to a Druids. Right. So, uh... My first match was actually against Grixis, uh, Grixis Thieves. It was pretty much the mirror match, except okay. my opponent, on the other hand, ran a, th- I think, either a three or a four of a Thundermaw Hellkite. Oh, okay. So Thundermaw Hellkite was, I believe, a four, uh, a three of, and I saw the list because he top-ended the event. Okay. And, he, yeah, he, was, he wasn't playing Grixis Thieves. It was just four-color dragons. Yeah, I mean, he dropped that thing on me for the first time. I was like, I don't actually know what's going on, but I don't know how I beat this card. <laughs> because I was like, I need to either find a Toxic Deluge to deal with one, or I need to find a Dismember. We never solved a Dismember. Um, and then by the time that we solved a Toxic Deluge and took out the first one, two more came swinging behind a Jace. And we was like, we are dead. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it was real weird matches, like game one and game uh, two and three. Because game one... He stumbled on lands. Mm-hmm. He I, he actually saw one land after an ancestral recall. I was like, I don't know what to tell you. Besides, I <laughs> apologize because um, RNG was not great. Yeah. Um, then game two, I did something very similar. I'm pretty positive I saw a total of two lands between a treasure cruise and an ancestral recall and an attempt to dig through time. But we did see all five marks and the Tolarian Academy. Okay, so you have mana. Yeah, 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 except it, it just does nothing when your opponent has, like, four mana drains. It's like, we're yeah. dead. Yeah, it, it basically his deck was a mana drain Thunderbolt Hellkite deck. Okay. Yeah, that, that was the whole, that was a joke. You mana drain, they mana drain you, and then you, they Thunderbolt you the following turn. Right. Uh, round two, I lost a shot. I mean, there's just nothing that I could have done against turn one, Thorn and Amethyst, and he got on the play. Um... Main deck versus these does not have that great of a matchup against shops. Mm-hmm. Games two and game three are usually better because you bring in the ingot chewers. Um, that and uh, 
what's the one blue, two colorless enchantment that says all artifacts? Energy flux. Energy flux, yeah. We brought that in too, but by the time that we brought down the energy flux, he had enough incremental mana that it just didn't matter because he was playing uh, the aggressive version of shots, not like the Sure, yeah. So it didn't really matter. So we were already tilted coming out of round two because we had... We were pretty much thinking we are going to do fine going in the top eight. We were very wrong. Yeah. That was my hope as well. Like, oh, I'm going to 3-0 Legacy because that's all I play, and I got crushed. So Yeah. I mean, it was not a great tournament for either of us. No, not at all. Uh, and funnily enough, actually, the, one of the one of our, our friends, um, Kurt Crane, top four that event. They split the first. The top four did. Yeah, yeah. I know he was playing shops. He was playing shops of all things because he expected you to not to actually not be on oath this weekend. Oh, that's important. That's specifically what he said. So, well, he was talking to me the whole way through because the last time we decided to play vintage, he brought in like this main deck meddling mage containment priest deck. Yep. And we had to play that the round after we had just got done playing vintage goblins. First time I'd ever seen that deck, but turns out a seven-seven flying late flank is pretty good against little dudes on the ground. Yep. Um, Shout out to Josh Todd, by the way. Yeah. So, but yeah, by the time that we went to round two and we had to play against Containment Priest on deck, we had no idea what was going on. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's whatever. It, it, he, Kurt likes to have fun and he gains a lot of vintage and he's a very good player when he does when he does get out to play. It was really good to see him actually like top four of that event. It was a pretty stacked field, I'm not going to lie. I mean, we can't top eight all of them, but we try, though. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of top eights, uh, Cody here has top eight in an event here in the this past week, which we'll get to eventually. Um, but I think next, the, the next thing we're going to talk about is the Legacy Classic, which, unfortunately, you had to sit out on because you had work. Um, yeah, we barely had... Uh, we had to cl- teeth and claw just to be able to get out there Saturday. Yeah, definitely. But... You didn't miss out on much. The, the Legacy Classic, so Star City Games was in Columbus that weekend, which was two weekends ago. Um, and neither of us play standard. And I w- I'm, I'm not playing modern at the time. And, but obviously I'm going to enter into Legacy Classic. And it was the, the first REL event that I played in since Grand Prix, New Jersey, because I don't go out travel much. Okay. So I've, I, I kind of expected to do decently well, but like, I wasn't... I, I have determined jitters at the time, you know what I mean? Like, going to a big event... So you haven't actually been out in a while. Right, exactly. So I wasn't expecting to do, you know, that well, and I, I don't think I misplayed it too, too much, but overall, the tournament went pretty well. I top 32 the event, so that was pretty good. Well, you know, for my first REL event since the New Jersey or Grand Prix, which was two years ago, it felt pretty good, you know? What did you actually play against? Like, uh, what was your probably hardest matchups? So, I, the most difficult thing I played against the entire the entire weekend was uh, actually the Mirror, but in this case, he was playing Joe Seth's version of Miracles, and games one and two, he had Cavern plus Mentor, and I couldn't do anything. Uh, but overall, uh, it was a decent weekend. Uh, I, was, I was kind of a little bit peeved, though, because my round one opponent, he's playing green-black Depths, so, like, the, the Dark Depths, the Steam Stage, Vampire Hex Mage, Little okay. Veil, uh, Small Pox, that, that kind of deck. Yeah. And he also has Sense of Divine on this deck. Okay. So, and this, and no offense to him, but he he played so slowly. Like, his top spins took two, three minutes apiece. 
Oh, that's brutal. And by the time I thought to go get a judge, I I I got up on the table as a judge to like, hey, can you watch my opponent for make sure that he's playing at a decent pace? She sits down next to us, and then three turns later, I predict his top away because he's actually losing in the game at this point. And then I kill him with a Jace Ultimate three turns later. Okay. Uh, and this is we have about I think eight minutes left in the round. Okay. And it's like I, I you know this. So this is game one. This, this is game, game one that you kill him with Jace Ultimate. There are eight minutes left. Correct. Okay, that sounds miserable, but go on. It's awful. Uh, but game one, it, he he's playing really slowly, you know. And okay. This is a point of contention that people have as a statement against Miracles players in general because because they sit in Dirtle. Correct. And I've been trying so hard to fight that because, as many people in Columbus know, I play really fast. I mean, mostly. Yeah, there are in the past I've you know dirt a little bit, but I've definitely cleaned up how quickly and how loosely I play. Right. In general, and I, I my top spins take like two three seconds. At and the we will point. definitely talk about playing loose later. Oh, but God. there were a moment where I thought you and a couple of the other uh, members of the Columbus community were about to literally hit me during a competitive game. But we'll get to that. I, I was pretty close to it, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he ends up killing me on turn three, game two. He goes Urborg, Thespian Stage, Dark Depths. And this, I, I don't find a plow or terminus or top or anything. I die. I have forces in my hand. Okay. Can't do anything with them. Which is really good against 2020 and destructibles. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. They have no, no, no spells being cost. Okay. Uh, so here I was thinking in game three, like we have six minutes left. I, I shuffle up, present, he pile shuffles. Okay. We have four minutes left. Four okay, minutes so left. I can get on this. Okay. Uh, I go turn one top, go. He plays Liliana, I force it. Off of my summon, I force it. I go turn two Stormford Mystic, go. Turn three, I land Stormford Mystic. And then turn four, I chase him. Turn five, I blood moon him. And he has no ass left. Okay. Because he has, he, 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 um... Was he running all duels or were there basics? There's one basic swamp in the deck. Okay. But I have... Oh, and then turn six, I countertop him. So he can't loam... So you have Jace, Stoneforge Mystic, uh, Blood Moon, Counter Top Lot. Yes. Okay. Within two minutes. Okay. And then he plays a top. Okay. Then I chose not to counter. And then he dirtles with it for like four more turns. And we eventually draw because he's at. I, I, I had Cloud at 2020 earlier. Oh, so he okay. would have so no way you're though. going to race. Right. And unfortunately, and he, he, I mean, he's well within his rights to do so, but he had no outs, and I asked him for a possession, he said no. So we end up in the draw bracket. Which is not where you want to be at round. Not even close. Uh, and I played against, in, in the second round, I played against a Helm Rest in Peace Miracles player. Okay. He was also relatively slow, but I crush him. Uh, game one, I lose to a turn five combo. He goes rest in peace and then helms me. Oh, get him. Uh, with force backup for everything, I kind of talk about, which is like, you know, it's whatever. That's what the deck is designed to do. Right. Uh, and then games two and three, I demolish him because I have answers to everything cast. Okay. And then I predict, way, I, I predict my way to victory. Predict was an all-star in that match. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty easy. Round three, I 
played against Burn, I believe. That was actually a really interesting match because game one, I went at one life. Okay. Because I, I, I managed to stabilize at like four, but then he Barbarian rings me down to two. What the hell is Barbarian Ring? Barbarian is? Ring is a... Let's pull it up, actually. Barbarian Ring is a very interesting card. I, I, I'm positive you told me about this card once before. I have no idea what more this thing does. So it's a land that adds red to your mana pool by dealing one damage to you. But you have a threshold. You tap red and it and sacrifice it to deal two damage to a creature player. Oh, okay. This does not interact with any counter spells, which is the ability that happens. Okay. So he Barbarian Ring brings me down to two. He activates another one. I plow my Sandfester Mage to live. Oh, okay. So you put yourself to uh, what? Four? To one. Oh, to one. Okay, correct. And then I just ult him to kill him. Oh, okay. Um, and then game two, he kills me with... His, his draw was really good, but I eventually got the countertop out, and then he draws four Barbarian Rings in a row. Okay. So that seems insane. So he, he, he kills me with those. And, and it's an exclusive Firecraft. Okay. And then game three was a lot of fun. We got down to the point where it, it it was like a slog fest, you know. He was firecrafting me, whatever. He has four firecrafts in his in the sideboard, by the way. Okay. Uh, I created a monster. Silver so Mystic was an was an all star because I actually started gaining life again, and then I equipped a Vendillion Click with Batterskull. Oh, the the Cadrol Seven Five Flyer. Yeah, exactly. And I, I I destroyed him with that. Uh, so that was round three. Round four. I played against the Mirror, uh, but he was, he, was a, he was a relatively young, younger guy. I think slightly younger than I, I was. He was playing the Cavern version of the Mirror, and I, I lost to him. Okay. Uh, it was... I kind of want to say it was close, but it wasn't really close at all, because he had Cavern two games in a row, and I just got crushed. It's really hard for us to power through Cavern. It's possible, but I have to, let, I have to make sure I get a predict to resolve in order to do so, and I just couldn't get there. Right, which is yeah, it, it happens, and I definitely want to like figure out that that portion of the of the mirror, uh, because outside of cavern, I will not pretty much guarantee that predictable miracles has the advantage of the mirror, unless you play cavern. Okay, just because our card advantage is way higher than yours, okay. we have less lands, and we have less clunky cards. Um, but so that was round four, I believe. Right. That's okay. right. How many rounds was this of that? Uh, not, uh, this was. Seven rounds. Okay. So, yeah. So that was round four. Round five, I played against a rug Delver player. He Delvered me, game one. Okay. And then I Bloodman... I, I, sorry. I Stoneforged him game two and three. Okay. So it was a relatively... It, it got scary, you know, but, like, Stoneforged Mystic definitely worked out better than Mentor did. It, it did its job. Oh, absolutely. Oh, 100%. Um... And then the last round was my final loss to a guy named Bill Kamimos, who actually also top aided the uh, our regionals. Who? What was he on? He was he was playing Eldrazi. He was one of the Eldrazi players. He, he was eighth seed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. But basically, he was playing Reanimator at the event, and I he Reanimator me game one, and then I spell strike him to death game two, and then game three he. I mean, again, turn to kill. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah it. it happens. 
Um, but overall, it, the event went really well. I was I was very happy with the deck. I you would, know what would have stopped that loss though? What's that? Servo Extraction. Yeah, every single time it would have. And always a two of it, any sideboard. Yeah, plain burn, play surgical extraction. Yeah, it will win you some stupid games. You're not wrong. It was. It would have been pretty good, you know. But um, overall, I'm pretty happy with the weekend, especially like considering first Saga event since the, the GP two years prior, and the deck played phenomenally. It did everything I wanted it to do. It's sitting here right next to me, ready for the next event that we play in. So, are you playing Thursday? Uh, we'll see. I don't know yet. For those of you that don't know, we have a uh, legacy group that meets on uh, Thursdays at Fog of Dusk. Yeah, and we we jam legacy, and it's a blast. It's, I look forward to every week that I can make it. I can hardly ever make it. Yeah. The struggle of being a nurse, it's miserable sometimes, but... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that was that, that was that past weekend, and or two weekends ago, and it was it was a lot of fun, and... I didn't anticipate playing Magic anytime soon, but a, fr- a couple of friends of mine from the Columbus area decided that we'd all play in regionals, and I had to find a deck. Yeah, we need to get you in a modern, because just being on <laughs> Legacy, like, sounds miserable. Well, here's the thing. I would love to have done that, you know, like, just dove into modern and buy back in again, but there have been recent things that have happened, recent... Okay, so the ban on restricted list came down in January and kind of messed up my whole plan. Yeah. As many people know, I've been on Splinter Twin for a very long time. We had the deck. That a year ago, right? Something like that. Yeah. We used to just be on the blue-red version, and then we switched over to Grixis, which was a blast. Um, Turns out Colgan's Command is a real card. Colgan's Command is a real card. Uh, not anymore. It, it, no, I feel like it really just dropped off the map. Pretty much blue has period in modern ever since. Splinter Twin got banned. Amulet, uh, not Amulet, Spirit Bloom. Summer Bloom. Summer Bloom got banned. Um, and then whatever popper ban happened, which doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, Sorry, popper players. We just, we just don't care. That's true. So... We had to try to figure out a deck that we were going to start playing in Modern because we have an entire shell that's basically we can play Grixis Control and we can straight up lose to Tron because it is not a great matchup. The new Ulamog has changed that matchup in a way that not most people would like really think it does. When that thing comes down and removes every single threat that you spent at the very beginning, like a turn two Grim Angler is not where you want to be sometimes. Right, um, but you match. can't beat them? I mean, yeah, you joined them. Absolutely. So we built Tron. Yeah. We built Tron, and then uh, the first week that we actually picked this thing up, we decided that we were going to just go to a local FNM over a guard tower. And this was the week before, correct? This was the week, the first week that Oath was legal. Okay. So we actually get off work at 3. And we lose our minds and fly into Columbus looking for the closest place out of Colgan's, not Colgan's, uh, Cosmic's Returns that we can actually pick up. Cosmic's um, Return, for those who don't know, but you should know because the card is insane, uh, is a two and a red. It's devoid. It deals two damage to, to everything, uh, not all, all creatures on the, on, on the battlefield. It's an instant, for the record. Extremely relevant. It's very, very relevant, and kind of the all star of your past weekend. Um, and it has another ability that if it is in your graveyard, when you cast a 7-drop Eldrazi creature or above... Yeah, it's a 7-mana or above Eldrazi creature. It triggers to recast from the graveyard. Well, yeah, instead of yeah. dealing 2 damage, it deals 5 to everything. Correct. And it exiles itself. So that is a, that is part of the cost. True, yeah. yeah. But 
the card, a, a lot of Tron players originally kind of dismissed it because it was three mana instead of two. They say it's too slow. Correct. And people are like, oh, if you're you're going to be already in, a, in you're going to be in a very much losing position by turn three because you'd be either dead on board or dead from manlands, that kind of thing. Right. Affinity or what have you. And that was the biggest disclaimer against it when it first got first came out. Right. Um, the first week that we actually picked up Tron, uh, we went to the stuff and we were just like, we'll play it. We'll see how it does. And we went 4-1 in the event. The only actual time that we dropped the game was to Infect, which is a terrible matchup for Tron. Because we almost have no way to interact with little green idiots. Yeah. Especially when they can just pay two life and turn into a 3-3, which Coslex return does not stop. Correct. Um, they, they do have actual protection against that. Um, but Coslex return did stir up quite a few of those matchups where they just tapped out, animated two Inkbothlaxes, we'll, we'll just kill the team. Mm-hmm. We'll kill them dead. Um, so that was actually, it made a little bit of a difference, but we were already sure that this deck was going to be the deck that we were going to play in that Saturday. Correct. Regionals, so. Well, it, that wasn't going into regionals. That was the, uh, that Comic Town event that they had held over at the, uh, hotel. That was regionals. No, regionals was last weekend. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, I'm talking about the other one where they had the map for. Yeah. Um, so, we we just wanted to get in some practice matches at this FNM before we actually just took this deck and attempted to pilot it at a uh, competitive REL event. Mm-hmm. We walked in with this deck. The only actual game we dropped the entire day until we got the top eight was uh, the mirror match against uh, Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, which, the Tron mirror match is actually, there's two different things that it comes down to in the Tron matchup. It's who can go score the other person out of the game first, or who's going to hit seven mana first. Right. Um, game one, he won the dice roll. Nothing we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, zero interaction with uh, Tron in the, main, in the main, besides attempting to find your ghost quarter to stop them ahead of time. Game two, we both ended up crumbling the dust in each other's towers, and he just hit Corn before I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we played, I don't remember, the most memorable things that we played where we played Affinity, which is where the first time we actually saw that Cause X Return was the, one of the best cards for Tron that we've been playing so far. Um, Affinity, pretty much most of the time, sometimes it unloads as hand turn one, usually they unload it on turn two. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing about Kozak's Return is it doesn't hit them on turn two like Pyroclasm does, but it forces Affinity players to do two different things. If they know that you're the Tron player that's playing Kozak's Return and they know that you have three mana up and you have some source of red, they either have to A, just go in. They have to go in and they have to try to kill you before you get to uh, activate your Tron lands because as soon as that comes down, their percentage to win drops drastically. Yeah. Um... But or they can play passive and not have their entire land base completely destroyed by a Cosmic's return coming down when all their guys are one ones. Right. So um, we actually ended up uh, making top eight in that event, and then we lost to Hans, mm-hmm. who was on Grizzle Shoal. Yes, the the people's champion deck. You know, so I have no idea how Tron usually beats that deck. Like before, I I'm, I'm pretty sure it involves Relic and them not playing around it. 
Um, that's true. We also have to fight the mana base right. by keeping them off of four, which is also very hard because you never know when they're going to draw some of these spirit guides to just right. come out and they could just you. beat you to death. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That matchup does not seem very good. No, it was not very good. I'm pretty sure we died on turn three. Yeah, we died on turn three because he just activated um, Faithless Loading through a uh, Grizzlebrand in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just reanimated it, swung in, did the whole Boros and Rage, which, by the way, for you, uh, you guys that play Modern, please, for the love of God, do not play a pithy needle and just say Borboros. That's perfectly fine. It's also not his name. It's Borborigmos. Oh, whoever knows what this is. <laughs> I mean, I'm not an English teacher. All right. But uh, what is it? Um, Bob Wong uh, at a GP, I believe, got... Got a game win because his opponent named Borborigmos. He checked for the judge, and the judge said that is a legal target for the needle. The name of the card that he killed him with was Borborigmos Enraged. Right, 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 right. Which just throws lands at them. You just activate the throw lands at them, which turns out with gr- drawing like 40 cards off a of Grizzle Brand because you're nursing Shulian all the time. Yep. You just throw your entire land package at them. It's almost better than a Nauseam. Almost, but not quite. We'll, we'll get into the Nauseam deck later. Right. Um. But then we went into, we played this deck, um, we actually missed being able to play at uh, Comic Town uh, Modern Mondays um, because of work, other issues, yeah. stuff like that. Um, but on Friday, we started to do a whole bunch of testing with Tron yeah. going into this weekend because there was a lot of talk about the Eldrazi decks coming in this weekend. Yeah. Um, this was at Comic Town, right? Before the event? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... We gathered a group together on Friday to test around uh, other decks in the format. I played a couple games against John. I played a couple games against Eldrazi, um, which the... Uh, that was the old Eldrazi version, mind you. The, yeah, I was the, playing against the mono black version. Yeah, which no one should play anymore because it's just not as good as the other ones are. That's true. Yeah. Um, but uh, I actually talked to uh, Jordan Kennedy. He's another uh, member of the Magic community of Columbus who's also... A fairly well-versed Tron player. Probably um, the better, the best Tron player, in, like the most prominent Tron player in Columbus, because just, just, he's been playing it longer than anyone else. Right. For like three, four years. Um, beforehand, we were both playing uh, the Crumble of Dust on the sideboard. Mm-hmm. Because Crumble is just, you get the four mana, you just blow out your opponent. But the problem is, in the Tron mirror match, that forces you to play uh, a game where instead of three mana, which you're racing for Karn, you're racing for four mana, and you have to have red to hit Crumble Dust. That's kind of asking a lot. Right. Where in testing, the more and more thing I found, we found my favorite cyborg card, <laughs> Surgical Extraction. It turns out to be one of the best cards in the mirror match that you'll end, ever end up playing because you have multiple different ways to find uh, Ghost Quarter in the deck, so as long as you draw one of your Surgical Extractions, the black is almost irrelevant as far as mana cards, yeah. you, pay, you pay two life to Ghost Quarter and then completely ruin their mana base in the sideboard. And then you really, really hope they don't get the four to crumble to dust you before you card them. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a lot of fun, by the way. Right. So <laughs> we actually had come to the conclusion that Surgical Extraction was just a better card to play in the sideboard, which actually on the weekend against the Eldrazi decks ended up being very true because all the new Eldrazi decks are usually playing a four to two of, of Ghost Quarter in the main. Correct. So we have to be able to find a way as Tron to protect our land base. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into regionals, what were you playing? Uh, I was playing the, the deck that I top at a PTQ with three years ago, which was the last time I played Modern. Uh, it was a 
this a while ago. Yeah, a, a long okay. time ago, and things have, things have changed a little bit. Things have changed drastically. Yeah. Uh, I played Blue Eye Red Geist, and I would never, ever sleeve up those colors for anything in the future at all, ever. Okay. In modern, so yeah. it was it was kind of a miserable experience. You still have my Rayman, sir. I do. Actually, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. I've been returning to you today. Okay, I just so. completely remembered, like, all the other people that I just went cards to. It's like, yeah. people need cards, and it's like, I guess we just have to get out the binders and hope everyone can finish their decks before this event. Yeah, no, I got you. Okay, that's fine. Um, but I, uh, it, originals was a bit of a wash for me because I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, it was the first time I sat down and played Modern in three years, and it definitely showed. You actually have to pay life for these lands. These dual lands actually require you to, like, do something for them to come into play on tap. Yeah, there, there's no sense in divine top in this format. I don't know what I'm doing. It just doesn't work out for me, you know? Fair. Which, sense of divine top and modern will be miserable. Yeah. I, the format actually after the Pro Tour became miserable anyways, but we'll get to that here in a, in a little bit. Yeah. Um, Real miserable. So what uh, What did you actually end up having to play the Just Guy list against? Uh, I played against Ad Nauseam round one, and instead of remembering that they only have four Ad Nauseam effects, I went after, with with, with Like I went after their Anal Space effects instead. Uh, and he threw in another ones that killed me. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think I took, I, I, won, I won the first game, and then he, he won the four score games. Uh, so that was kind of a wash. And then round two, I played against a Land Destruction deck. Okay. So I can never beat that because I can never get to three mana to cast Guys to Trap. What is he playing? Like Molten Rain? Molten Rain, Stone Rains, Boom Bust, Full Minion Mage. Okay. So this guy was very prepared for Tron. Uh, or something. Yeah, or Drowsy. Yeah. Yeah, or something. Um, the Nightmare to Come. Right, and at this point I'm feeling pretty discouraged, but like, I don't really care that much because it's not a format that I really, was really all that invested in. So it's fine. Um,. But then, I think round three, I played against Burn and beat it. Round four, I played against Burn and beat it. Uh, specifically, my round four opponent, game one, I raised her with Celestial Colony. She played an Eidolon um, that took her to seven, right? Okay. I attacked her with with Colony. I'm at four at this point. Okay. She's at three. If you cast a spell to try to kill me, her Eidolon kills her. Because I can attack her with a Colonnade. She has one card. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I ended her basically with a Colonnade to kill her game one. And then game two, I had turned to uh, Firewalker. Oh, that's ball breaking. So that was, okay. that was, that was how that, that, one, that one went. Um, and then I played against... So I'm two two at this point. You know, okay. Feeling like I can I can kind of make this. Let's see what happens. Like we can dra- drag ourselves back. I mean, it's only a three hundred some odd player person. Yeah. Well, it could possibly go wrong. It's a five k. Uh yeah. Um, the next round, I played against a blue eye red control mirror, and I demolished him with the turn three guys. Okay. Because they don't interact with that card. They have no idea how to deal with that. Yeah. Besides uh, supreme verdicts, probably. Right. Or like just. Ambush my ring to try to block. Oh, okay, but yeah. That didn't work out. Um, and then I played against Burn again, and I lost. Oh, okay. And at this point is when I dropped. Okay. And then I I followed. I, I watched my friends and stuff, and that was it. Was a lot of fun. The weekend was a blast. Um, but the real highlight of the event would be you know Cody's run through to the top eight, and you played. Damn good magic. Okay, so round one, um, 
we well, had to play against. B- b- before we get into the actual tournament report, t- talk about your Tron list real quick. Okay, so the Tron list, we're, tr- we're playing a little bit of a different Tron list now than what uh, most conventional players are playing now. Um, almost all Tron players now are still playing on the Pyroclasm plan, mm-hmm. which the re- whole reason, like we said before, that they're playing the Pyroclasm plan is because Pyroclasm comes down a whole turn sooner, um, which is relevant, I would say. Um, it's I mean, probably more it's relevant against, yeah. like, it's probably relevant against, like, tier two lists, like Elves, um, some other collected company decks, stuff like that, stuff where you have to get, uh, the birds, the mana ramp cards out faster, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Like Kiki Cords, that kind of thing. Right, but what we found earlier on the past weekend, for robots before, uh, Affinity has never been a good matchup for Tron. Um, because if you pyroclasm them, they kill you with, with their manlins. Right. Um, also, like, sometimes with uh, Steel Overseer, Master of Ethereum, their guys just get way too big for pyroclasm, and it just doesn't matter. Right. Um, so if you draw into a pyroclasm, plus that means that you also have to draw into a pyroclasm off of either your chromatic stars, your chromatic spheres, just drawing naturally, stuff like that. Um, but instead, on the weekend, from the testing we had done before, was that we had found that Cosmic's Return is a very real card. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So we ended up playing... The creature base was two of uh, Ulamogus Decent of Hunger. No Emrakul's on 75, right? No Emrakul's, period, okay. because the format is way too fast. Yeah. I used to... I played Emrakul on the weekend beforehand. Right. And it was awful. Mm-hmm. It was actually just awful the entire weekend, because there were so much, many ghost quarters, other forms of land hate, that we were struggling just to get to 10. Yeah. Because once we hit 10, usually that's where we just top out, and that's where we try to kill them. Mm-hmm. But 15 mana, there's no actual relevant blue controlled X on the format. I mean, blue is... Sad, one tier falls. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, the format's just way too fast now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but the whole reason why Cosmos Return is actually insane now is because it's probably really good right now because people don't see it coming. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I played against so many affinity players where as soon as it comes down, as soon as they activate uh, the Ink Moth and the Blank Moth, that they have no idea what hit them. Like, they sit there with a Glimmer Void in play, and they have no idea how they're going to try to keep it around at the end of their turn. Yeah. Um, what was it? So, we were actually running three of main of uh, of Returns in the deck. I don't know if I'd want to bump it up to four, and the whole reason why I don't know if I want to bump it up to four because there were times where three felt clunky, but there were also times where I had to keep a hand on seven that had one. Yeah. Especially if I knew my opponent was on an aggro matchup. Right, and your game plan just revolves around that card for the rest of the game. Right, 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 because you always has the late game potential of, well, we have to kill them now, I guess we'll just play Ulamog, we'll deal five to their whole team, and then we'll hate on their mana base then. Right. Um, but what was it? You can also find... Not like Pyroclasm, where you have to draw it. You can Ancient Stirrings in this thing. This thing has the Void. That is it's extremely relevant. Kills S-Champion. S-Champion's a card that the Affinity decks don't play anymore, so it's not as relevant, but we'll take it. Yeah. Um, also, just being able to just dig for it anytime that you need one was perfect. It, there were so many times during the weekend... Um, before and then the weekend of regionals where the card was insane. Yeah. Um, unarguably, probably the best card in the deck mm-hmm. against the affinity matchups, bar none. Um, sure. 
But back on to the uh, creature uh, list that we ran for the deck. We ran the two of Ulamog, three of Wormcoil, two of Spellscape, just in case we ran into the Nightmare matchup of Infect. Mm-hmm. God forbid, but it doesn't really matter because they run that one blue... Twisted Image. Twisted yeah. Image, yeah. That card's miserable. Yeah. Um, four card, one Ugin, which was miserable on the whole weekend. Ugin was the worst card in the deck. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And we'll... we'll there are reasons for and against keeping Ugin around, which we'll get to as soon as we finish up the report. So Ugin's actually really good against any sort of collected company deck. Because um, they can never beat that card ever. No, that thing comes down on you negative on three or four, and their entire game plan is dead. Yeah. Um, everything just gets exiled, and it's game over from there, mostly. Um, against robots, though, they don't care. That card is bad, because a single target deals three. You can't negative it to do anything relevant. Mm-hmm. So against Eldrazi. Yeah, it's also very bad against Eldrazi because yeah. turns out if they're playing mono black Eldrazi, nice processor it still says it's colorless. Yeah, don't care if it has black in the mana cost. And in all honesty, like going forward, I think cutting in cutting the Ugin might not be the worst idea because if you look at the meta game as it shapes up, like the past like week or so after the Pro Tour, um, you'll see like. Eldrazi, you'll see Affinity because they can race Eldrazi. You will see Infect, which is also too fast for Ugin to do anything. Right. You'll see Ad Nauseam, where Ugin doesn't do anything. You'll see Living End, which Ugin doesn't do anything. And there are so many matchups where Ugin is actively terrible. There are times where I would probably keep an Ugin against Living End. Because sometimes if you're on the top end and they're not like hitting, if they're not going on the Fulminator Mage route, Okay. Um, you can drop it, and it doesn't really matter if you kill their dudes. Or if you kill their dudes with those stone, because they can just live it in again. Correct. If you drop an Ugin, you drop it on like five or four or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it gets yeah. rid of their whole game plan. But like, um, it, 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 there are pros and cons for Ugin, that is for sure. But I think the at this point, the cons are the pros. Right. With the way the metagame's changing, it just was not great at yeah. all. Um, Did you end up playing still playing the Ugin at regionals? Yeah, the one we, we, we played the Ugin at regionals because we didn't necessarily know what the meta was going to shape up to be. I don't think anyone did, really. And then the Pro Tour happened. Right, the Pro Tour happened. Which um, is the day before regionals was when we first saw that Eldrazi deck. Right, and people were scrambling to put this deck together yep. based on what they had seen from the Pro Tour. The deck is nothing but four of's of the best Eldrazi, like, draft chaff that you'll ever see in the world. That, yeah, no, the, let, let's talk about the deck for a second, actually, because it's kind of made waves in, in Modern recently because of the whole, if it's showing the Pro Tour and all over regionals, all over the country, really, and it's just demolishing people. Turns out, you know, Ancient Tomb being legal in Modern is, is a real good thing, you know? I mean... The Ayabugan is almost unarguably better than Mrs. Workshop for the deck. Correct, because you can, because you can use Ayabugan more than one time per turn. Right. It doesn't tap for activate its ability. Right, 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 right. And it just makes everything cost two less. So if you have a hand that's full of nothing but two drops, yeah. right, like two twos, stuff like that. Like you can go turn one Ayabugan, two Eldrazian Mimics, turn two uh, Eldrazian Temple, Thought Seer, tap you for eight. Right, 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 right. I mean, God forbid they have the Simeon Spirit Guide and they pitch that thing to uh, back yeah, people on the race with a reality smash. He's like, take that yeah. being an idiot. So, like, it feels good. And it's, it's a very, very strong deck. And we'll we'll talk about how you played against it, too. 
Yeah, we actually had to play against the deck three times, like on the pull, like the top eight for like our regional uh, run. Um, because of the whole Tron deck, besides the, uh, we took out the Pyroclasms for the Cosmic Returns, was pretty stock. Mm-hmm. Um, the main difference was that we ran, uh, I talked to Louis about it, who's another one of our resident Tron players, yeah. um, about why we ran two forests over just the four of total of the Green Red Land. And the, the Tron list. Yeah. Yeah, the Groves. In his case, the Carplusion Forest. Which yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're not playing against any aggro matchup, it's pretty okay. But now it's not so great. Um, Life is very relevant. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, it was pretty stock. We were, you still run the four of all the uh, the stirrings, the strings, all that other crap. Yeah. Um, running two forests in a land base, nothing like real. Um, round one, we actually ended up playing against Jonathan, who, I forget his last name. Uh, I don't remember it either. Look it up, because I am awful with last name. <laughs> I am awful with names, period. Um, anyways, we played round one, we sat down across from each other, complete gentlemen. Um, Alexander? No. Beautiful smile. That's for one. That's another thing, too. Um, he's on my friends list. Alright, continue. So anyways, yeah. Um who I found out after round one was playing on Nauseam. Um, I, mm. I know we went to three games, but I don't. Oh, you're talking about the winner. The guy who actually won the regionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll get to this. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was on at Nauseam. His name is Jonathan Benson. Jonathan, Jonathan Benson, yeah. yeah. So we played against him round one. We had no idea what he was on. We actually kept a hand for aggro, I remember, in game one. And I don't know who won game one or game two. Um, but we found out he was on Ad Nauseam. Mm-hmm. Actually, we won game one. Yeah. Because we car- as soon as we figured out, we saw the uh, Lotus Bloom came down, we figured out, Jesus Christ, he's on Ad Nauseam. This was really bad for us. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, the only way to really fight Ad Nauseam, because of how instant and priority works with split second and all that other stuff, is that the only real way to fight this deck is to fight its mana. Um, From the Tron perspective, we'll get into how to fight the deck otherwise. Right. Um, so you, the only thing I really did was I carned all of his lands into the dirt and eventually found a new log. Game two, we just died. Yep. We, we got angels. It was either uh, the Phyrexian Unlife mm-hmm. um, or the Angel's Grace that killed us. I don't even remember which one it was. doesn't matter. Play Ad Nauseam. Uh, yeah, like yeah. the storm came out of our face. So basically, the way that deck works is uh, it plays either Angel's Grace or or a Fresken on Life, both of which prevent you from losing the game due to life loss. Right, essentially, and then it plays Ad Nauseam because then you can just draw your entire deck with Ad Nauseam. You have to show your opponent because it reveals the cards. So you draw your deck and then you cast, you pick three Seven Spirit cards and then cast Lightning Storm. Exile or pitching a bunch of lands to it to let him turn his face off. Which actually, what was it? Game one, he actually asked me if he had comboed off on me if I would have scooped up. Um, it's actually extremely relevant because he had actually pitched two Simeon Spirit Guides. Correct, and you cannot oh, cast. Uh, right, he can't cast them because he doesn't have any other red sources besides off of the uh, Lotus Blooms. Correct. Which they usually pitch for black anyways. But, you, have to, uh, you have to keep an eye on their mana base and how many spirit, spirit, spirit guides they use throughout the match. Right. Turns out Karn ate one, which yeah. was fun. Um, but anyways, in game three, we uh, actually ran into a really weird situation where we, again, went on the land destruction route. Mm-hmm. But it, we eventually both got into a top deck war, and it got very scary because he's sitting on five. 
I'm sitting on everything in the world in the car, and eventually it gets to the point where I'm just like, we're just going to go running for Karn to try to get to an ultimate here. Yeah. Where the only thing that we actually exiled with Karn was a couple lands and a Simeon Spirit Guide, which actually became very relevant later, because we ended up top decking to an Ivugan, which we then activated the Ivugan, put Ulamog into our hand, um, plus Karn, but Karn 18 passed... And then pray to God that he did not draw the uh, ad nauseum. Because if he draws ad nauseum and plays it, Jason's already finds his other, yeah, he finds his other land, plays the Angel Grace, and then lives another turn. Mm -hmm. But uh, from that point on the next turn, I just ultimated Karn, started the game with with a couple lands, an Ulamog, and a uh, Summoning Spirit Guide. And then, luckily enough, we had a judge that was standing there watching the game because we were the last games playing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had to explain of how uh, the creatures that come into play off of Karn's Ultimate no longer have Summoning Sickness because they have l- been in the game before the beginning of the upkeep, which is where Summoning Sickness falls off. Correct. Um, so they were actually able to attack on turn one, which... Ulamog exiling 20 cards is actually pretty relevant out of that deck because if we hit more than like... If you hit it, let it he dies. I mean, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyways, we beat him round one. Which is next to, you know, like kind of the most impossible thing you could possibly do. Right, okay. So I was extremely, like, I felt like I had straight luck sack <laughs> out of winning that game. Um, round two against... The, we ended up playing against uh, Affinity... Um, pretty much how the game went. It, I threw game one mm-hmm. off of me not knowing how uh, counters off of modular worked, how they activated, how stuff flew around. That was kind of frustrating. Yeah. And then games two and game three really came down to me keeping hands that had Kozlik's return and not carrying past that. So once again, Kozlik's return, best card in the deck. There was uh, I did, didn't want to say it to any of my affinity opponents, but we actually made a game out of every single time that we played Kozlek's uh, return, that any time that we played Kozlek's return in the match, mm-hmm. it became a game of whether or not we could actually put them on zero permanence. Okay. Because if we can just get rid of all the artifacts that they have in play, they lose all their Glimmer Voids. Correct. So it actually just became like a really sick game of like trying to stall out the game and seeing if I could remove all of their lands that were in play, mm-hmm. as well as all their other permanents, like Karn, Ulamog, and stuff like that. Right. So, because after you Kozlex return them for the first time, like, almost every single affinity opponent that I played against, when they saw this card come down, had at least two man lands activated, and were absolutely dumbfounded that the card was blowing them out. I, From their perspective, I can understand why. Um, and this turn, we actually played against the Eldrazi deck three times. Okay. Um, round three, we played against Carlos Eldrazi. Um, game one actually came down to Worm Coils. Mm-hmm. Um, just dropped the Worm Coils. He was like, turn one, he stalled because he played a Urborg to start things off. And I was like, okay, that doesn't really do anything. And then it was into a uh, Ayabugan, which then played a Thought Knots here. This is relevant. Yeah. But we already had Natural Tron. Uh, we had two Tron pieces. We had already played an Expedition map. Sure. And then we had a hand of two Worm Coils, so there was just no way he could stop. But we eventually drew Ulamog, and the game ended. So just... Let's pause for a second and kind of examine that particular matchup because a lot of pro players have said that 
Tron versus Eldrazi is pretty heavily in Eldrazi's favor because they go, you can go underneath the Tron and just destroy Tron pieces. Right. They play the forming deck Ghost Quarters. Right. Now, the trouble that they run into, though, is a resolved Worm Coil is really hard to beat. Right. Um, because all their guys are just plain dudes that just run on the ground. Like five fives or four right. fours. There's nothing fancy about right. them besides the one that uh, makes you pitch a secondary card in order to not have him be hexproof. Correct. Or counter the whatever target spell. You have, to, you, have to, you have to discard something in order to... Yeah, the 5 5 case yeah. Um, But what is it? There was another game where we realized that the surgical extractions were exactly where we wanted to be in the sideboard. Because as soon as they ghost quarter you the first time, as long as they're wasting their mana on the, from their ghost quarter, as long as they're wasting that uh, colorless mana yeah. on your lands, it gives you the chance to be able to rip out the rest of their ghost quarters so you can just start setting up on them. And as long as they can't beat you down before you get everything built up back again, they can't really pass through Tron. Yeah. Um, if you can... If- it's basically a race at this point, and, like, you are consistently finding Tron pieces the entire game, because that's what Green Tron is designed to do. Right. Cosmix Return is also really good against their tutus, their, uh, their endless wands, their mimics, mm-hmm. um, because you can respond to the mimic trigger. That's exactly. another important thing. There yeah. was a time where I thought last year came down, I was like, uh, trigger mimic, and I was like, let's probably not do that. But, I mean, he still, we had to fight through, uh couple bot knots here, which is fine. Another actually cute thing in regards to that, not necessarily from the Tron perspective, but for example, if your opponent has a Mimic in play and they cast a Thought Knots here, in response to the trick, if they put the trick, if they put the trigger on the stack for the Mimic, you can dismember the Thought Knots here, so you gain the card off of it, and the, the ability still resolves. However, if they proceed to let the Mimic trigger resolve, the Mimic will also die. Because it gets Nick 5, Nick 5 due to the Thunder here. Oh, that's absurd. It's I didn't know true. that. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I didn't have any idea. So you'll actually triple one them if you do that. I mean, we're playing Tron. We can't run this member, but I think we might try <laughs> That sounds really bad for us. Right. No, it's, it's, it's a thing that I read about earlier this morning. I was like, huh, that's, that's very, really interesting. Right. I think, like, going into top. We played a couple of different weird decks. We played against Dredge, which we played the Surgical Extractions on the side and the Relics. Game one, it wasn't really that relevant. I mean, you got like Blood Guys, so I'm playing, then we just killed them. Um, round five, we had actually played uh, against one of my friend's bro- um, brothers, uh, Ian Vanduit. We played against his brother. Yeah. Um, which he was a gentleman to the whole thing. He was um, a really awesome dude. Like, he came to the never met him until that day. Right. Like, sitting down across from each other, we were like, would you just like to draw? Just be like, we're gentlemen here. I was yeah. like, oh, man. We'll play game one and we'll see how it goes. I mean, he plays with a Johnny on me and we have, we die. He's playing, uh, for the record, he's playing Blue Light Red Control. Right. Uh, with two scissor relations. I talked to this guy about this and I think, I think he's insane, but whatever, man. It's a lot of scissor relations. Right. I mean, I think two's fine. Two helps you get, like, built up, like, in the late I game. mean, you're casting at turn five, turn six. To gain two and drop. Like that, that's, that's not good enough. I mean, it doesn't seem great, but it's not awful, I don't think. And going forward, I, I hope he doesn't play that deck anymore because. Yeesh. I mean, things have gotten very bad against that deck. Yeah. Um, but was it game two? Um, he actually uh, learned what happens when you drop a Pithy Needle. Um, Pithy Needle comes down, <laughs> yes. and you allow them to call what it is while you have a fetch land in play. Because he had Tectonic Edge to start things out. I was like, okay, that's fine. And then he plays a Flooded Strand. I'm like, that's also fine. 
But on our turn, coming over, we just drop down the Pithy Needle, and we're just like, okay, Pithy Needle. He's like, all right. Because he, he, I'm almost positive he was thinking we were going to call it on the uh, tectonic edge. Yeah. Um, or the Johnny or what, what have you. Right. We were just like, fun strand. Turns out he had more flooded strands than he had no other way to produce man. I was like, got him. Yeah. We ended up just like hitting turn four Ulamog after that too on Natural Tron into a Urza's Tower and it was just blowout. I've heard many a story where Pizzanino naming a fetch land has won people games on many occasions. Right. On the game three though, like, what was it? it was, we came into a situation where before, after that round, my wife had actually contacted me and notified me that one of my accounts uh, for my uh, credit cards had been hacked into. Yeah. Apparently, a couple thousand dollars came out, and I had to. She couldn't call because she wasn't the registered user, and I had to call and file a police report and all that stuff. I was like, "Do you just want to draw?" I mean, round five draw sounds kind of greedy, but I think we might be able to go with it because there was like thirty-five minutes left on the round. We had played a real quick game two game. Uh, it was like, "Sure, that's fine." Yeah. So we just intentionally drew, and that was fine. Um, new enough to make the phone call that you needed to do. Yeah, we, we got all that stuff taken care of, thank yeah. God. Um, uh, round six. So, this game was probably the first time where we've actually felt real bad. I think I remember watching your opponent's face just kind of, like, lose all color. Okay, so... We kept the hand that was Forest, Grove of the Burnwellers, Tron Land, and then we had, like, two Sylvan's Grinds and Kozlex Return. And then, like, maybe, like, something other. That was, like, a Worm Coil or something big. It was a Wing Con. Um, my opponent wins the dice roll, goes on the draw. He plays the Tax King Probe. I'm just like, yeah, that's fine. He looks at the hand, and I just feel like he just puts his hand on his head and doesn't actually know, like, how he goes about this. Yeah. So I'm just like, I don't actually know, like how bad this hand is for you. The only way I actually see this hand being bad is if you're on a FEMB playing Jetaxium Probe. Draws his card off the Jetaxium Probe, Blink Moth Nexus into uh, Spring Leaf Drop. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, we feel like an asshole. <laughs> it was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, I apologize. Not that I'm questioning your deck building, because that actually seems fair, because it probably knows, it, it has to do with like, knowing when you can just go all in and then just go sure, off yeah. of the races. It, I'm not convinced it's actually very good, but... It's probably fine. I mean, he was undefeated going into uh, round six, too. Right. So, I mean, I couldn't really... I th- No, I take that back. He had dropped the game, so we got paired down. Okay. Um, which, after that, he had actually told me that his other game that he had actually lost was the Tron. So I was like, now we feel even worse. Yeah. But we got over it. Um... Round 7, we ended up playing against the model black version of Eldrazi, which his version, uh, it's Eric, right? Yes. Yeah, he's a uh, local competitor. We played, uh, we ended up playing the week before, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I played against his list, which he had made a few changes to. Um, he was playing the mono black version of Eldrazi that plays all the uh, processor mechanics. Yeah. All the, the, other. The, the version that we consider to be not good enough at this point. Right, that's probably not false. Um... But uh, we ended up playing that match. Um, we played very loose. So Cody has a tendency to, when, it, when he's playing against someone he knows in particular, he has a tendency to play very fast and very loose. 
there are many mistriggers. There are many uh, on both sides, not just Cody's. But. I mean, we were he had boxed me. We left our hand revealed. We we're just like we're gentlemen here. We we don't have to write anything down. That's fine. So what was it? We were looking. Uh, I don't even remember. Like he was showing like stuff that I knew he had. It was a disaster because we were surgical extracting, and so he would leave his hand revealed after we surgical extracted, so we knew what he had. Really, what it came down to, like in game three, was uh, so this is actually why I think if there is anything banned out of this Eldrazi deck that it comes down to, I think it's going to be the Temple, the Eldrazi Temple. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um. What is it? On the actual. He had I of Ugin, Swamp, 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 Thought Not Seer, um, it was like Thought Not Seer, Thought Not Seer, and something else that required Coalesce. And I was just like, this is really unfortunate, because we we had already completely turned to, out of conversation, missed a second land drop, despite the fact that we looked for the Urza's Tower. It was like... Right, he, he had actually accidentally just missed the second land drop. It just kind of happened. Okay, so I thought he was on the draw. That's what... I, no. Yeah, I thought he was on the draw. That's why he had two lands. Like, we, we were mentally processing something that I don't even remember. But we were just, like, smack-talking back and forth, just like... And they had drawn a bit of a crowd at this point, too. So it was, they were putting on a show, but also doing it really poorly. I mean, yeah, we there were multiple people, like, guarantee you were questioning how in the world, with the way that we were playing, that we were sitting up at the top tables. Yeah, it was, yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah, it was whatever. But we ended up getting there just because he got land screwed in game three. Um, round eight? It was pretty much a win and end because uh, we assumed that we were going to get paired against the other undefeated, but there were two undefeated. Correct. The other two undefeated uh, players was Eric, were Eric Rose, who was playing John, and then Kent Ketter, who was playing the Channel Fireball list with Eldrazi, the, the um, colorless Eldrazi. Right, because I think at that point I was at third seed. Correct. Going into that, going into round eight. Yeah. Um, even with the draw. Um, but just because we hadn't dropped an actual game. Correct. But the other two um, players were actually undefeated. They were both, right. uh, 7-0 going. Right, so we thought we were going to play against Eric, and then we ended up getting paired against uh, someone that was playing a uh, foil affinity deck, yeah. which is fine. Um, game one, we actually effectively died game three on, on uh, turn three. It was a uh, cranial plating into a whole mess in front of us, and we just died. Mm-hmm. And then games two and game three, it literally came down to the best card in the deck, which is Cosmic to turn again. And we actually got rid of, like, three Lemur Voids at one time. We used Karn, took out a Dark Steel. We are just like, this game's good. We're sure. down here. Eventually, the, the Affinity player knows when Tron has offense, gotten to a critical mass. There was also a point where we... Flashed back a Cosmic Return out of the graveyard, took out two man lands, which made that the Glimmer Voids he couldn't activate to like keep them alive. So how, how did you flash back? Ulamog. Ulamog comes down and the Cosmic Return is in the graveyard. The triggers happen. Correct. How did you take out man lands with it? We did with Ulamog. Oh, I see. Okay. Right, right, sure. right, right, sure. So just his old board dies, and we're just like, we'll just get rid of everything else that matters. Was that the one time you've done that, by the way? Triggering the fact that the, the, the second ability of Cosmos Return? No, we did it against Coalesce Eldrazi, too. Okay. Um, and it also happened uh, in the top eight, because we ended up just drawing in to the first seed and round nine. Because you were not the first seed. Well, no, no, no. We weren't the first seed. We drew with the first seed. Correct. Because we were both at table one, and it's like, so we both have enough points, no sense in essentially playing it out and actually, right. like, threatening and losing top eight. So we'll just draw in, have enough points, and be good. Yeah. Which is fine. And then you shut down on some kings. 
Yeah, then we got uh, Raisin Canes, which if you've never had Raisin Canes from Columbus before, you're actually just missing out on life. I didn't have Raisin Canes until like a while ago. I've been like living up life up. You were, you were a shell before, of, your, of your current self. Like, we didn't know about rallies. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know about Raisin Canes. <laughs> yep. So like the, the whole world has changed for us within the past year almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, going into top eight, which took forever it felt like. But that was also because we drew and then had the, the, the entirety, the entire round wait and stuff like that, yeah. There, there, there was a match from like round nine that had like a 15-minute game extension too, wasn't right. there? Yeah. That was miserable. Yeah. Um, You're not wrong. So going into top eight, what, what was the top eight again? It was Tron. So the top eight was you and Red Green Tron, Eric Rose on Jund. He was Junding people. Uh, Kent Ketter on Carlos Eldrazi, Eternal Fireballist. Uh, Jonathan uh, Benson on Ad Nauseam. Uh, Bill Kaminos on Carlos Eldrazi. Uh, very close to what Kent Ketter played, but I think it was a couple of different lands. Okay, yeah, just to pull this off to the side, too. Jonathan on Ad Nauseam. We had beat him round one. Yes. Um, after he, we had beat him round one... He went undefeated the rest of the tournament. Right. We, we didn't actually see him again until we were sitting at table one, and I stopped and looked across, and I was like, oh, hey, yeah, there's that Anosian player that get played round one. Like, he actually must be, like, doing really well. He couldn't have, like, lost a game after the whole time. Next thing I know, he's, like, at top tables. I'm like, God, this is really bad for us. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Like, we got lucky once. I don't know if we can do it again. The, the tournament was actually, like, very, very difficult for the, for the top players. Seven and one was not good for top 16. No, 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 like, no, no. no. Tiebreakers did come yeah. down. Um, so, him, and then my friend Will Wingler from the Cleveland area, the Kid Force Games place, uh, he was on Blue Red Eldrazi, but not the same guy as the one, as the one who won that, uh, the Pro Tour. A, kind of a different list, a little bit more, like, aggressive. He wasn't playing the Mimics. He and I had actually talked about that on Facebook a little bit after the tournament. Yeah. Um, about changes that could actually have been made to the deck. Um, which we actually played first on the top eight. Yes. Um, uh, and then there were, that's six people. I think there was another, there was a Skitrip player, I think? Let me let me double check. But you can continue with it, your top eight report. Um, so going to the top eight, there were a couple matches that we had to dodge. Um, we really, really did not want to play against the Ad Nauseam again, because we got through that once. We don't think we can necessarily do it again. Yeah, yeah there was a Skitrip player. Skitrip player and then a Mono Black Eldrazi player. That was it. That okay. Was, those are the last two top eight. Um, so, going in, because I saw you talking to uh, the guy that was playing the blue-red Eldrazi list before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I had an idea of what he was on, but I didn't know how all the cards worked in the deck. I actually had no idea, like, what the blue-red deck ran. Yeah. I knew exactly what the black decks ran. I knew exactly what the colorless versions ran, because we had ended up playing both of them. This mess was exactly what we played against going into the top eight, which the other two, mono black and the colorless version, I don't think are that bad of a matchup for Tron. Blue-red Eldrazi is a nightmare. So... I can understand that. Game one, we got there off of Karn. Just Karn came down. We got rid of the Thought Nuts here. We started taking more stuff out with Karn. He had to waste a whole bunch of uh, resources to get rid of it. We O-stoned, and then the game was pretty much over from there. Mm-hmm. Um, game two, we find out that there's a second ability on that 3-1 Haster. What's the name of this card? Eldrazi Obligator. Oh, yeah, he can steal something. 
Yeah, that actually became uh, very relevant. So it is one red, two colorless, devoid, which, well, whatever. Ugin. Real good. Yeah. Um, when you cast Eldrazi Obligator, you may pay one in a colorless. If you do, gain control of target creature until end of turn, untap that creature, and gain haste. So basically a threaten effect. Right. So we had played an, he had played an aggregate towards the beginning. Um, we had O-Stone, and then what it really came down to is we dropped a one coil engine. Um, he had blocked with a Scion, sacked it. So I'm at 7, he's at 12. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an active Eye of Ugin. We're almost positive that there's no way we can lose this match. He has, like, two cards in hand. Um, I forget. I'm pretty sure we have a card in hand. Yeah. And uh, next thing I know, he plays this thing, taps it, takes my one coil, and my first reaction was... Okay, whatever. I mean, it's tapped. And I find out that this thing untaps a creature. It's, and it's right with it. yeah. So we die. Yeah. We die dead. And then we actually had to play an actual game in game three. Um, game three, I struggled to kill this deck playing Drawn with a turn three one coil, turn four one coil. We're going to throw this game on the heater and we're just going to go BD sticks. Like straight up fifty cuffs in this deck. This is this was you told me about this later on, and it, it highlighted what I originally thought would like what the matchup would go down to, and it was Wormcoil Engine being blocked by the, the Scion tokens the entire time and sacking off to keep me from getting life. Right, but that just they can't beat a Wormcoil if it hits if it hits them. You know, like the the life gain is so critical that their little guys or even their more sizable dudes are not six sixes. Um, probably the most terrifying card of the entire deck is between the Eldrazi Obligators, which can take, against some other decks that run like two twos, three threes, it's not as relevant. But against Tron, the card is insane. Yeah. Um, another card that I think is actually, from what I've actually been seeing a lot more of recently, Drowner of Hope, is an mm-hmm. extremely real card. Um, so Drowner of Hope is a five and a blue, it's an Eldrazi, it's a Devoid. When Drowner Hope enters the battlefield, put two 1-1 colors Eldrazi side creatures onto the battlefield. They have sacrificed this, add one colorless to your mana pool. The second ability is what's the more relevant part. If you sacrifice an Eldrazi Scion, you tap target creature. So, Drowner Hope, as you saw at the Pro Tour specifically, because they got played four Drowner Hopes in the same deck, basically lets you kind of alpha strike by tapping down your opponent's entire board. Right. Um, I actually think this version, the blue-red version, is the best version of the deck. The reason why I say that is because you get the added utility with not just being like this really awkward, aggressive deck that just blasts out the entire hand and then rips apart their hand with Thoughtmouth Spheres. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I feel it has a much better match than the mirror match. Yeah, no, because that's how the, the winner of the Pro Tour ended up winning because... He, he, his dudes were just either evasive because they flew over, or he could hard cast them all by his basic lands. Right, and it can tap down the reality smashers. It can tap down pretty much anything right. else that's really in the way. Um, I think it's just the better deck. I mean, the mana base is a little bit sketchy. Um, mm-hmm. th- let's see. This is this is the version he was running. This is Will's specific version, yeah. Um, the, the version of the Pro Tour is a little bit different. Yeah, because that one was only running two Steam Vents as compared to Williams 4. Yeah, two Steam Vents and then four Steam Leaves, which the reason Will didn't had the four Steam Vents is because he didn't, couldn't find Steam Leaves at the time. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's really it, yeah. Um, 
which turns out that Shriven Reef is a triland, and that died. It, yeah, it taps for everything that you wanted to. And funnily enough, I figured out that Caverns of Soul, Caverns of Soul is also a triland. Yeah, because I didn't actually think that that thing tapped for Toeless. Does I was very confused. Yeah, there was a straight one. I was like. I don't think you can actually tap that because it makes it like any other color. It's like, yeah, but it also produces colors, so we felt real dumb. I mean, you can still counter it if it, does, if it produces colors, but you're not countering anything anyway. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, so we ended up getting through that mm-hmm. eventually. Like, we were at 30-something, and he went to two twice, and there was a time where he took, I think, both my worm clothes with obligators and swung in for, like, nearly half my 30-something life total. I was like, this hurt. And then we just started turning back on the heater. And he started having a block with Reality Smashers, and after that it got bad. Yeah. Um, but then again, any deck that lives through five turns being two worm coils yeah. coming in is by all means insane. Yeah. Because um, the other two, the mono black, the colorless version, can't live through that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, talking about your final match. Oh, your quarterfinal match. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get through uh, Blue Red Eldrazi, mm-hmm. um, go into the Ad Nauseam match. Um, I don't think there are much hi- many highlights from that. I think you just died on turn four both games. Yeah, we died on turn four both games. We Both hands were kind of shoddy. We had to mulligan to uh, six and a five on one, mm-hmm. just trying to find a way to hit seven lands so that way we could actually interact. We just never found it. Yeah. So, I mean, that was pretty much like the end of it. We It was the one matchup we had to dodge, and we didn't get lucky. Right. But, and, I mean... Uh, to be fair, he goes on to, you know, crush the event overall, and he won. So, props to him for yeah. being a vid- very good deck. Lost round one, spice the rest of the tournament. That's a, that, that sounds pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, his, I, his, I, you had to go on to go... Um, you were just hanging out at this point, but I was watching the finals, and not even remotely interesting, like... Game one, uh, he kills Ketter on... Ken, Ken, it was Ken Ketter versus Jonathan Benison. Ketter's on the Ken Fireball Drossy deck. The Carlos version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, game one, Benson kills him on turn three. Off of a suspended Lotus Bloom in turn one. Uh, games, game two, uh, Jonathan can't find an Adnaz, or, uh, Angel's Grace or a Phyrexian on Life Effect and dies. He had challenged him, too. I remember that. He game two? Yeah. On, he had challenges on play. Right. Uh, and then game three... Ken had a hand with Chalice on one, Chalice on zero, and then Ketter, and then Jonathan found Echoing Truth and shoots them back to his hand and killed him. And that was the end of the tournament. And it was a late night. It was like 11 o'clock when this ended. So right, 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 right. So from like 9, what is it, 10 a.m. start time? About, yeah. Oh, no, 11 a.m., I'll say. Yeah, so. start time. So, our tournament. Yeah. It was draining. It was just about life draining. Yeah. By the time we were done. By the next day, we just didn't even want to play Magic. Um, uh, but yeah, it was it was still a lot of fun to like see all the like all of our, all of our local people, you know, playing new decks. Uh, I remember Tom Tran and uh, Michael Salem both were on Blue Moon for the event, and they did reasonably well. I'm pretty sure. I think X and Two. Somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, my friend Walt Wing- Walt Hangley uh, piloted Rug Delver. Uh, he actually three the event, so he unfortunately didn't make didn't make cash. I don't think. Uh, friend Justin Reich, one of my fellow Blue Eye Red compatriots, was on Blue Eye Red Control. You, you may have seen his list at the top at, at the uh, SCG Columbus Modern Classic. He top 
16 that event with okay. blur and control. Basically, his version was uh, control, control, control until turn four, and the form of four drop to try to kill you. Okay. So PN, Kieran, or Johnny okay. were, were the things. He had really he had a lot of like manly effects, a lot of remands, spell snares, spell pierce, a lot of permission. Yeah, but no cryptic commands. Just like the, the lower the ground kind of permission. Okay. Um, but he unfortunately went. He won the first two rounds, I believe, and then lost. Last thing was dropped and went home. But overall, it was a, it was a pretty good weekend for Clumps Magic, for sure. Right, and then not too long after that tournament, we had the results of the Pro Tour. It was actually during the event that we. Or no, no, you're right. It was the Saturday event. Yeah, the top eight. We had top eight deck list at the end of the night. Yeah, but then. It wasn't until the next day, which the top eight deck list is what mattered. Yes, so the top eight was pretty much, uh, the, the winner was Zhishan Tao with Blue Red Eldrazi, semi-finalist, or sorry, finalist, even Flock with Lieutenant Fireball, Carlos Virgin, Affinity, uh, Patrick Dickman, who was the, if you guys know, the, the premier Splinter Twin pilot, the guy who basically created the Tarmo Twin deck. And popularized Splinter Twin as a whole. This guy played Splinter Twin religiously. Okay. And he top ended this Pro Tour with Affinity. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, LSV, good old Luis Scott Vargas, finally top spiked one of these, top eight Pro Tour. It's been a long time for him, and I'm very happy to see they did this. Uh, with Carlos Eldrazi. Uh, Pascal Maynard with Affinity as well. Very similar to Patrick Dickman's list, but there are a few differences. And then Shuhei Nakamura with also Colorless Eldrazi. Frank Lepore with Bug Eldrazi. So... Pro- he was, was kind of a weird processor version. Correct. And he has he had the Worldbreaker tech. Which Worldbreaker's fine. It's, it's an okay card, yeah. Uh, and then finally, Andrew Brown with Blue-Red Eldrazi as well. So... I'm pretty sure during this actual tournament itself, the most entertaining thing was the actual Twitch chat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Just repeatedly spammed over and over and over again. We banned Splinter Twin for diversity. I'm not saying that I'm still salty as fuck about <laughs> this Splinter Twin ban, but when the Pro Tour is six decks that are basically... 20-plus cards of the same type, they, they're, they're all running basically the same creature pack. There are no green and white cards in the Pro Tour. So, so yeah. actually, I just want to make the point that the best blue deck is actually Affinity. Because it's running Masters of Ethereum and it's running Thoughtcast. It's actually just the best blue deck in modern right now. That's actually not true, because the blue-red Eldrazi deck has blue cards in it. Drowner Pope is a blue card. Yeah, it's a Devoid. Oh, alright, alright, you got Bam, me there. got him! You got me there. Woo! But there are other blue cards in the deck. There's Severn Denial on the sideboard. That's an actual blue card. Counterspells. Exactly. Oh, God, this thing runs counterspells. Thought Knots here and a Severn Denial. Just get wrecked, idiot. Yeah. How did you get through that? It's, it's very good. Hercules Recall for the Affinity matchup? Mmm. That seems okay. Mmm. That's fantastic. Chalice of the Void's neat. Because you just drop it on zero, right? Zero, one, yeah, usually. Yeah, it just gets Affinity. They mm-hmm. can't race you. That's fair. But, so, the the whole Eldrazi deck menace, if we were to call it, has kind of inspired a lot of hubbub. Hate? hate as well, absolutely, but people are, um... I've seen some straight hate on some Facebook groups. Oh, there are I, people that are, get out the salt shaker because they are upset. I don't disagree with you. I, I'm pretty upset that this is, like, this is the deck to beat now, in all honesty, and... It, it kind of kills my personal motivation to be playing modern, playing modern, 
if you remember at the beginning of this cast, you're like, you should get you in a modern. I agreed with you until this past weekend. I mean, the fact that it's an almost completely colorless topic. I mean, I get it. Wizards of the Coast has to promote their product. They have to promote. Oh, absolutely. Uh, they have to promote uh, Return of Zendikar and Oath of the Gatewatch, which is where pretty much their entire creature base of the new modern deck, the new Eldrazi deck, is. Yep. But there's a lot of other people that are also pointing out that for these decks that we're seeing right now, that uh, it's not really all cut and dry that these are the best decks. And the reason why I say that is because there were so many people that were working on this deck to make it good mm-hmm. that were not 100% sure that it is the best deck. Right. And even those people like Mike Sigrist, uh, Jacob Wilson, Sam, uh, Sam Pardee, they do think this is the best deck, but they they don't think it's like you know the end all be all like ban hammer now kind of deal. I mean, the way this top eight makes it look, it makes it almost feel like Wizards of the Coast needs to do something, right? And that's what most people were saying after after regionals. Like they're like, oh, we should emerge the ban this, this card. Like something needs. I I don't think something from this deck needs hit, I think, like, with enough hate, um, other stuff like that, like... Yeah, which um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the hate, with the possible ways of fighting this, yeah. Um, that there are answers to this deck. Yeah. But sometimes, if you're on the draw, you don't necessarily have a lot of ways to deal with some of these versions of this deck. Right, like, a turn two Thought Not Seer is very terrifying. I mean, yeah, a turn two Thought Not Seer, sometimes it just drops, like, off of one eye, who can just drops three mimics in the play. Yeah. Then God forbid they put a temple in the play, spit a simian spirit guide. And Rihanna's not here for 20. Yeah, it's like, nice turn too. It seemed okay. Be like, the Eldrazi menace is here. I mean, it's come out of the set and it's become real life. Mm-hmm. Because now we are now trying to figure out how in the world we modern players beat this deck. And in all honesty, there, there's a, kind of a flavor win here. Because if you look at it, the Eldrazi Menace has risen up, and now we as a player base I, have to I guess so, yeah. to, like, fight back. I mean, that seems miserable. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I, I've i been discussing with a lot of modern players in Columbus on, like, how to how to approach fighting back against this. And there have many cards, m- many cards that you could possibly, you know, try to try to leverage in such a way that you, you have a chance against them. So what is Painter Servant turns this deck off? Right. Uh, a Painter Servant... Basically, you name a color with it, and both Ivugan and um, Temple. Temple both say colorless Eldrazi. So if you name a color, they, those abilities can't be used. Right. The problem with Painter Servant, though, is it's fragile. Both versions played a way to remove it. They were playing Lightning Members, right? Yeah, Lightning Bolt or Distemper. Right. And Gutshot. Also, Gutshot. Gutshot doesn't kill, doesn't kill Painter Servant, though. It's a 1 3. It kills a Mimic, though. Sure. Because Mimic on zero mana. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. No, we'll fake it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you if you watch the Fair Tour, uh, I believe round 14 or round 15, it was, it was uh, Frank Lepore versus LSV. They go to three games, and then LSV wins by killing Frank Lepore with a gut shot. When Frank was in a very much a winning board position, he was coming back from behind, but he was down to one life, and he kills him with a gut shot. That sounds miserable. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Get him. So Pander's Servant... Uh, is one way you could do it. Worship has been another one that people have been talking about. Worship feels real bad to be a $30 card. 
Yeah, and like I said, we'll we'll go over a little bit of the financial aspects here in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but worship has been coming out of like been played in Kiki Ford a little bit here and there, but like not too much of prominence. Right. But now it's been kind of trying to be leveraged in many other ways because worship they don't have many ways they can interact with it. Uh, outside of Ratchet Bomb going up to four, which is really slow, or Worldbreaker, which, okay. which iterations of, now, of the deck have now been playing Worldbreaker, which, while you say you think a blue or red is the uh, the premier way to go about building this deck, I think there's another version that is almost strictly better that okay. I'm much more terrified. I think the green-red version that top-aided the uh, MPG Online... Um, Pro Trump Qualifier. Okay. So, and actually, it didn't top eight. It won the event. And I think that iteration of the deck, piloted by Mr. Goblin Lackey himself, it's basically kind of a cross between Tron and uh, Eldrazi. It plays the Grove of the Burnwillows, Carpluzin Forest, the Iugan Temples, just like normal, and plays your regular good Eldrazi creatures, Eldrazi Mimic, Endless One, Smasher, Thanasir, but also plays four Worldbreakers, and then it plays for Age of Strings and for Cosmos Returns. Which is just, it, it plays Cosmos Returns just the nut. Yeah, which is fine. It can actually, like, flashback the Cosmos Return with the World Breakers, and people have seen it done. Oh, that's good. It's very good. I didn't actually think about that until I actually just stopped and looked at World Breakers. I was like, oh, that does cost seven. Got it. Yep. Yeah, that's actually really good. And I, I personally think the red-green version is the best way to go about building one that's decent in any mirror matchup. Okay. Because while the blue-green, uh, sorry, the blue-red kind of can go higher with um, the top stuff down and whatnot. Yeah. So. Um, I think Warbreaker just goes over the top of that. This thing just drops down and then just ex- starts exiling things. Right. In late game, if you start flooding mana, it doesn't matter. It's also a 5-7 with reach. I think it has reach. It has no reach. All these new Eldrazi cards like have a Bible written on them. Right. So. There's a lot of text on these things, and it has reach. Not only that, you can recur it if they put it into your graveyard. You stack a land, and it comes back into your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I haven't seen that specific ability be that relevant, but it's it's a very good card. But the key thing that you get with the green-red version that you don't have with blue-red or the regular colors are the stirrings to tutor for any of the draws in your deck, or yeah. Cosmos Return. Right. And Cosmos Return. Right. Uh, you also get access to awesome green and red sideboard cards, like Lightning Bolt and Ancient Grudge, both of which shore up a matchup that is kind of 50 against most of the Razzle decks, which is Affinity. Right. With Ancient Grudge, you won't lose to Affinity. Or Lightning Bolt on the side is interesting. Yeah, it's actually for, like, Infect, which is another good deck that this oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. against. And while Lightning Bolt isn't, you know, the end-all, be-all against Infect, it's still pretty damn good for, pretty you know, good. one or two. Like, they're not expecting it, you know? And if you look at the rest of the top eight, it's Affinity, and then five Eldrazi decks. Yeah, so it's also like this that make me start to question where things are going. For the record, this is the first PTQ after the Pro Tour results. Yeah, this is terrifying. Yeah. Um, I mean... What do you even hit in this deck if you're Wizards of the Coast, right? So, people have been discussing options. Uh, the, the two main ones are the land base. So, the Ayahugan or the Eldrazi Temple. And there are arguments both for and against both of those cards. Right. I, I think either one that you hit kind of neuters the deck completely to the point where it's not as good as it used to be. 
it's not going to be overrunning everyone. I mean, this deck is the Nutter Butter just right now. Correct, and because you're playing, version, you're playing Ancient Tomb. Right. Es- essentially, is what it boils down to. Or Mishra's Workshop. In, in, in fact, uh, I likened the, the final match in our regionals, so Ad Nauseam versus Colossus Odrazi, to be essentially the vintage equivalent, uh, or the, the modern equivalent of a vintage matchup. Shops versus Storm. Oh, yeah, that's, and, that's and, and it boils down to the same sideboard cards as well. They're running Chalice, they're running big dumb idiots that just get in there. Yeah, I mean, it's less of a hate bear kind of deck, so there's no Lustum Bowl involved. Oh, yeah, yeah, But, yeah. like, the same sideboard cards were involved. There's Chalice in the Void, and then there's Hercules Recall, or Echo Wings. Oh, yeah. And that's how this one player came, comes back and wins the game, otherwise they just die. And that's exactly what happened. Right. And you're, you essentially now have a vintage deck in modern. Kind of, yeah. Because you have kind of the same, like, the, the whole Channel Fireball deck kind of revolved around Student Spirit Guide, Chalice on one. Whereas that's a regular thing that happened in Vintage. Yeah. It, it was before the restriction, of course. Yeah. I mean, we, we're not casting Turn 1 Turn of Spears, but this, still, this deck still feels really good. Yes. Uh, in all honesty, I think if you're not playing Eldrazi... You should be gunning as hard as possible to play a deck that doesn't doesn't care about it. So we don't have we don't have many options left. I mean, yeah, the only way that Tron really beats this, and it's pro- it has to do with one of the main changes that I'm probably going to make in my deck is where I'm just going to completely take out Ugin and put in another Worm Coil. Yeah, because the only way that you really fight this deck with Tron is you have to put a big dumb idiot in the way of it. Right. Because no, if they're exactly. just coming on the ground with guys, turn three card is not where you want to be at. Right. Like, as absurd as that sounds, like, everyone says that Tron wins on a turn three Karn. Turn three Karn isn't enough anymore. With how fast uh, Affinity is now, especially with these new decks that are already jamming turn turn two, turn three, four fours, and five fives, they're ripping apart your hand and then just going, like, man mode on haste. I mean, I don't really know how we go about stopping them. Right. But, I mean... Another issue is that, don't get me wrong, Ivogun is the best land in the deck. Mm-hmm. Bar none. I mean, there were situations like in the uh, my Swiss matches that were going up there where I won because my opponent didn't have a Coalesce land. Where in these new Coalesce versions and these new blue-red versions where they run, they're not running basics. They're running all these other lands that produce colors, but they also produce colorless. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst part about Eye of Ugin is the fact that the land doesn't just produce two or three mana. Like, a lot of people have been calling Eye of Ugin the new Mishra's Workshop of Modern. Because it can, it can cast, it can generate almost six mana on average. Right. In the first couple turns of the game. Like, you can just drop a couple mimics, you can drop a couple endless ones, like, just yeah. to get on the aggro beat list. Like, right. Which, I mean, seems insane. And at the end of the day, though, the deck is attacking you on the ground with no trample creatures. It's just they're coming out way faster than most decks can handle. Right. And that's been the crux of the whole deck overall. It's kind of a new form of affinity. You could say that, I suppose, yeah. Uh, I don't know about necessarily... Yeah, no, you could say that. Just a it acts on the same act. Yeah, yes. sure. Except sure. affinity goes in the air where the colors versions don't necessarily... Everything is on the ground. Right. Um, but there are some decks that, you know, that, that could cause this deck problems, and I've, I've kind of compiled a little bit of a list that could do so. Uh, number one, I think, in the most, in the, I think the best option overall would be Ad Nauseam. I think Ad Nauseam has an extremely good matchup against this deck, and it can be tuned in such a way that it beats the rest of the field as well. 
I think that that deck has the most viable sideboard options, uh, and it's not as easy to hate out as it used to be. How do you feel about Pox against this deck? So Pox is fine, but it dies to Chalice of the Void. Fair. And uh, disclaimer: the card, the decks that I think would be hateful against this deck overall, don't count the red green version, because I think the red green right. version can actually be through all these eight cards. Right, because like. Worship, the new sideboard tech that everyone's been talking about, these like, Worldbreaker doesn't care. It comes right. down and gets rid of it. I think Worldbreaker is what changes that. And as is Nature's Claim in Ancient Grudge. Like, those beat those hit cards. Right. Um, so another thing has been, you know, Painter Servant, which we kind of talked about earlier, and basically putting Painter Servant into your court deck and trying to get it out in turn two or as early as possible kind of neuters the deck. But again, the Red Green version just trumps that. Right. Because they just integrate your painter servant. Now what do you do? Right. I've seen a couple of Patron players that were talking about playing uh, the painter servant and the sideboard. But it was like, do you really want to turn off Fire Angel Stirrings? Yeah, I don't know. Angel Stirrings becomes dead. I, Ulamog, becomes dead. Mm-hmm. Um, because your guys are no longer colorless. You can right. no longer tutor. I mean, it's actually just miserable. Right. So I don't see why you would play it in Tron. I mean, it's cute. Yeah, I don't. Uh, the issue with painter servant overall, I think it's just it doesn't do enough. And it's hard for you to capitalize on it. Also, the dismember is very real. Right. Absolutely. And these guys are decks. Yeah. But, I uh, mean, I think any sort of, like, combo deck is fairly decent against these lists. As long as you can avoid the Chalice on one, which, I do, which is the reason why I think Storm isn't as good. I guess that's fair. I think because because Storm relies on critical mass of spells, whereas Ad Nauseam is a two-part combo, I think you can dig for the disruption elements a lot quicker with Ad Nauseam versus what you will with Storm. If you look at John the Ben's list specifically, he actually had a lot of ways to dig for cards that weren't one mana. Okay. Uh, like he had Halmar, he had the Halmar depths to index to find cards, or yeah. um, or the temples to scry or anticipates. Right. That kind of thing. And mystical agents to tutor. Right. And he you can buy a lot of time in that deck. And that's and that's why I think overall, like a tuned ad nauseum deck could do very well. My second option, which I don't think a lot of people are talking about, is Living End. Okay, I get behind that. I think Living End, as long as you... Living End with four main deck uh, ingot shores to fight Chalice on zero. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God, ingot in the main. And I I think that would be excellent. I guess it's okay, because it fights Affinity. Right. You fight Affinity, you fight Tron. Right. And you can buy them back later. And it also has main deck Fulman Animators and Avalanche Riders and other cards that... It it becomes a land destruction deck for the most part. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is being able to get to the three mana to hit your Cascades. Correct. Uh, But even then, like, you can play the control role in some cases. Like, you can go the land destruction route and just drop a bunch of cards with the Shecklers. Like, I I think Living End might actually be a, a really good option, too. Okay. And, and the deck is extremely cheap. As a matter of fact, Walt, earlier today, bought the rest of the deck foil. Fire Savage. Outside, for, like, $300. Like, outside of the full meter majors and the Sigma Spirit Guide, the deck is pretty cheap. I mean, I guess now you can go really crazy and play uh, the Restore Balance deck. Except Child on Zero, actually, the deck has an outs to it. Oh, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we can't play that deck. Correct. That dude is dead. Because you, like. you can't play uh, Disenchant because you have to Cascade and Destroy Balance. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. you could play Mainboard and get yours because they play the, uh, the green... Uh, the Gargadon. It's a red card. 
Yeah, Gregory Gon's the right card. He could. He could play the Ingetures. I mean, you don't want to play those, but it's still okay. Yeah, it's it's not as good as it would be, absolutely. Um, but that brings us to the last part of our cast, which is the, 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 the seeing the card prices spike because of the Pro Tour. So card prices right now are everywhere. Yeah. I have um, no idea like where to actually start on where card pricing is right, happening right now. Well, like, the, I think the biggest things obviously are Ayuruga and Alcazar Temple. Like those cards have spiked way higher than they used to be. I mean, it used to be that uh, you would get upset about drawing an Ayavugan out of a pack of Modern Masters. Now people lose their minds because it's the yeah. second most expensive card in the set next time away. Correct. Um, I mean, right now, Ayavugan's being $50 is kind of insane, but the Odrazi Temple's being printed at Uncommon and Modern Masters kind of help them from, like, going over $10. Yeah. I mean, the cards themselves are still really good. All After the Pro Tour happened... Pretty much all the Eldrazi stuff went from nothing but draft trap rares to the most expensive cards in the set. Oh, easily. Um, another thing. Sidebar. Uh, Oath of the Gate. Sorry, Battle of Zendikar is the best selling magic set of all time. Expeditions helped that. Yeah. Oh. I mean, the fact that people cracked multiple cases just to be like, I just opened up a $300 case rare. Fantastic. Just paid for three boxes and now I get all these awful $2 rares. Yep. Maybe a Gideon. Yeah. Um, but so the, so the Eldrazi cards kind of spiked, obviously, as they as they want to do, and then you have the Eldrazi hate cards that have also just spiked. Speaking uh, specifically, let's see, worship, worship. It has gone one hundred and fifty two point eight percent in the past week. I mean. I feel like this is a really bad, which, for those of you wondering what site I use, I personally use to watch, like, price jumps and stuff like that, I just use MTG Stocks. MTG Stocks has an auto-updating list for any cards that move, like, um, I think they use, yeah. yeah, they use TCG Mid, which I still hate TCG Mid, I think TCG Mid is miserable, but despite the point, um... It gives you a good idea of where things are moving up and down. Yeah. Or, like, where certain buyouts are happening. I mean, we have random cards that are jumping, like, Descendant's Path, because I guess there's some Emrakul deck that people are brewing with, with the new Eldrazi decks, which seems really bad. Yeah. Um, that makes them great. No, it doesn't seem great. But Worship, like, Worship is a four-drop enchantment that supposedly answers... "Quote unquote answers these old Rossi decks." To, to be fair, um, the both both versions that you saw the Pro Tour um, can't really answer worship outside of a Ratchet Bomb going after four. God bless Ratchet Bomb, though. Yeah. I, I'm happy to have that card seen play. That card's uh, been fifty cent rare for way too long. Yeah, absolutely. So worship is 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 going up and is going to continue to go up. I think for a little while. Uh, I think the biggest change from the Pro Tour though was seeing Painter Servant go to forty dollars. At I mean, the beginning of last week, it was $12. It's all based on the speculation of people trying to fight this deck. I mean, there's... Oh, the, absolutely it is. I mean, there's... we. Funny thing today, what's what's today, the 9th? Correct. On the 9th today, we actually saw a drop in Ayavugan. Because I think people are actually starting to wonder whether or not this deck is too good... To actually, like, live for a very well, long time. Well, there's that, and also people selling out and just going the route of trying to get rid of them as fast as possible. I mean, the deck has made... If, if you owned Eldrazi before the deck actually, like, won the Pro Tour in 
destroyed the Pro Tour for the most part. I mean, you made a lot of money. Yeah, and I would also advise on selling as soon as possible. I mean, I don't know if the deck is good enough to hit an E-Ban. Mike Kenny made the statement on Facebook that uh, we shouldn't be screaming at this point yet for an emergency ban. Right, it's only been one event. And I think that is, that that a lot of people kind of miss that because it's one event with a very inbred kind of metagame. That is true. Like, we're talking about teams playing with other teams specifically. And we're not we're not going to see Grand Prix Grand Prix for a little while. Uh, the next modern event, I believe, is SCG Louisville. I think the next Grand Prix is Detroit. Detroit, yeah. Which I will probably be playing in. Yeah, I will not be because I I don't intend to play modern anytime soon. I'm probably going to be writing up with Chris because we need to try on some old Rosie decks. Yeah. Because I actually think that match it's a really good matchup for Tron. Despite how fast that deck is, they can't be in one plan. They all of them, but the blue red version can. Sometimes that blue red version will just swing your own Wormco engine back at you and make you feel really bad about choosing that card. Yeah, exactly. Or in the worst uh, case scenario, Ulamog. And Ulamog coming at your face, too, makes you feel really bad. Right. You just have to kind of dodge the, the Glitz quarter plan, I think. And I think you're, you're set. I guess that's fair. That's yeah. why you play Surgical Extraction. It's the best sideboard card in the format. It is so good. I, I would like to say that that is uh, a Cody opinion, not something that I necessarily share. Um, a couple of other things that we want to touch on. Uh, Laboratory Maniac has seen a, a pretty big spike. As is Ad Nauseam. Both of which card, both of these cards are played in the Ad Nauseam deck overall. Laboratory Maniac does? It's an alternate win condition if your opponent has, like, uh, ways to give themselves like proof. Okay, I guess that's fair. Uh, also, if you play the Spoils of the Law version, which you shouldn't, I think that version is a lot worse than the original, uh, it's a way to win without Lightning Storm overall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what is that? I know some of the Tron pieces are still going up, like the land bases. Um, some of the Karn, uh, the Tron main pieces, like Karn, uh, Worm Coil, stuff like that have started to fall off a little bit. I think people might be coming off of their other colorless decks and moving into this Eldrazi since they already yeah. have uh, the Ayabugan to start off with on this new $900 sub deck. Or you could just play the Great Green version, which keeps True, it which you just pour over most of everything. Yeah. Um, let's take a look here. Yeah, I mean, Angel's Grace is up. Yeah, Angel's, Angel's Grace is way up. Passive Flames has been up. Uh, Goblin Guide spiked again. It's at $45 now. I mean, I don't know if that card can race. It's, I mean, Burn is a perfectly fine deck to be playing, though. If you play Burn, though, I would not play the Wild Cloud version. I guess that's fair. I mean, thank God, too, for Affinity being another colorless deck that actually, like, did something for this Pro Tour, because not too long ago, we bought an Affinity deck pretty much purely as a, uh investment. And Aintmoth Next is going from $25 to $40 plus is pretty good. Yeah, it's not it's not terrible. It's pretty decent value. Yeah. I mean, from here, I think... Oh, God. I mean, if they don't decide to do anything about this deck and they let things settle, like, I think they might give this deck... I don't I can't... I can't say that Wizards for sure. There's a, there's a bunch of conspiracy theories going around saying that this was Wizards of the Coast trying to sell Oath of the Gatewatch. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I think the window has kind of sailed here for the uh, the concept of an emergency ban happening. So I think if this deck is hit, it's going to be either hit in April when the uh, Shadows of Industry comes out 
or a year from now? In the next Modern Pro Tour. I mean, this deck living for a year. Oh, man. You're going to see a lot of Stone Rain. I feel like Stone Rain is just too slow. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean... It 100% is. What creature deck actually beats the new Eldrazi decks? I mean, I feel like Zoo is too slow. Living End is the closest creature deck, and that's not even a creature deck. It's a combo deck. Yeah, I mean... It kills you with creatures, but they're big ones. Affinity can also have a decent... It's about 50 50 against it, too. Is it? That's what a lot of the... That's why there's two affinity decks that top into that pro tour. I mean, I guess they have life linkers in the air, and you try to race it with a cranial plating. Yeah. That's pretty much the, the gist of it. I mean, if you don't get the Bolt Scourge, I think you might just be like SOL, right? Yeah. I mean... Their dudes are bigger than yours. I mean, their dudes are bigger than yours. I mean... God bless our new Carlos Overlords, because, I mean, what are you going to do? You're either going to play big, dumb little robots, or you're going to play Eldrazi. Yeah. That just come fighting in. I mean, from here on out, I think over the next couple weeks, we're going to th- see things change. Um, People will adjust. Right. We will... You can't really go underneath of this deck. Right. I think it races too fast. Um, you don't really have a good shot of trying to jump underneath the deck. Mm-hmm. So, your best shot is to either ignore it or just go over the top of it, I think, and both kind of, like, have their own caveats. Right, so you're going to either play combo or you're going to play either, I think, another deck that's in a really good matchup right now that can actually see, like, an, a gain in value is uh, the green-red scapeshift deck. The okay, blue yeah. deck is way too slow, but I think if you're playing the uh, the version that plays, that attempts to hit a turn four prime time... Mm-hmm. And then get uh, enough mountains into play to start valcutting all of your opponent's creatures into the ground. Plus, it uses like uh, Sakura Tribalter. Sakura Tribalter can buy you some life by uh, blocking right. and I'm sacrificing. The, that deck also top eight our originals. Uh, I came, came in eighth, I think. Was it? Was it the green red? Yeah, it was red. It was red green skip. Bring up the list. I want to take a list, look at it. Yeah. Because uh, I actually think it's almost the best version of Scapeshift out there. Like we have all these other Bring to Light versions, which just aren't great. I mean, they're way too That card slow. is really slow. It, it is very yep. slow. Scapeshift. So it's just Scapeshift, yeah. He's just running the Prime of the Time version, Center yep. Glade, big, great card, Search for a Model, Scapeshift, Explorers, uh, Communion with Lava. I've heard a lot of people hate on this card, but this card is insane. It's been really good for him. It is really I, good. I watched him play, and it's been fantastic. What's so. Prismatic Omen do? Uh, it makes all your lands into everybody's Oh, land. he's so, playing that card. So okay. Blood Moon doesn't do... Well, Blood Moon still turns off your Valkyrie. But well, your Valkyrie's are mountains. Correct. Is the most important part, because yeah. you just go get Valkyrie for Prime Night. You're just like, hey, nice. I uh, think 12. Take 12 would love it. Yep, exactly. I mean, I think that deck's pretty good right now. It's a pretty good call. But, I mean, over the next couple of weeks, I mean... <sighs> it's hard to say. You, you can't even say buy into this Eldrazi deck. Mm-hmm. You can almost just be like, make, play the Eldrazi deck, make out like a bandit, like buy the piece, pieces of it, like win like a couple, like, I don't know, like if your store pays out in store credit, win, win a couple boxes with the deck, and then make some money on it, and then sell out of it once something gets hit from it. If something gets hit from it. I mean, Wizards can be crazy and just let this thing run rampant. Because, I mean, I don't know, man. The deck is good. The deck is extremely good. And for the record, if you want to crush the mirror, play the Red Green version, I'm telling you. Or Tron. 
Or Tron, I play, guess. Play, play for a warm coil, because that's the only way that you usually beat that deck, or drop a very early O-Stone on, on turn four and hope turn four O-Stone is good enough. Yeah. Through four Ghost Quarters, it's, yeah. your chances aren't great. Yeah. Uh, and I think the last thing we want to talk about is a l- just a little bit. Well... We'll look more into this next episode, but the deck is actually starting to make a little, some some noise in Legacy too, and I for one am terrified. I mean, it seems like a worse shops list, but it's faster than normal. Uh, not shops, uh, mud, mud, yeah. mm-hmm. and Legacy, Legacy shops. Who and there there have been a couple of people in the uh, the southwest part, portion of the country that have kind of like started tuning a legacy version of this deck and I've seen the video coverage and it's things don't look good for our hometown heroes. Let's just go with that. I mean you get Ancient Tomb, you get City of Traders, which is okay. I don't know, City of Traders might be the way that we want to go with the deck because we already have four Ivugan, four Eldrazi Temple, and then we have four Ancient Tombs, which is all pretty good. Um or some of the new legacy versions now running the Urborg two to turn. Some have, yeah. Okay. Um, but like I said, it, it's a very fledgling kind of idea right now, but there aren't any mid- leg- many big legacy events coming up uh, until Philadelphia at the end of this month. Right. So we'll have to wait and see until then. And If that deck makes ways in legacy, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. it it's probably too good for modern if it starts placing in legacy. I mean, it we'll kind of it puts us in a very similar situation of, if you remember, Callblade. Oh, Absolutely. I think the deck was more dominant but based on percentages in the Pro Tour than Cobblade, than Cobblade was. I mean, Cobblade, like, ran straight out of Extended and got ported over to Legacy and said, this deck is fine. Yeah. I mean, that's all. Stoneblade was boring. God bless that deck. <laughs> and, yeah. I think that's it. That's it for this week. So, um, you can hit us up on Twitter. Okay. I think from the 